when we're not talking about computer components, apparently, this is what we do. We just sit here in silence and stare at one another. Yeah, I have very little to say about computer components this week, except for it's the same loopy horseshit. Same bullshit. Anyway. Can't find anything. <laughs> Can't get a graphics card to save your life if you're, uh, you know, alive in 2021. So there you go. Yeah, silicone is more precious than fucking like dragon eggs these days. Fucking diamonds. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. worth their weight. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then let's get started. Welcome back, listeners, to Dance Robot Dance. This is the 256th episode of our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe work point of view. I am Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week, coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. I've got Mark with me, coming from St. Catharines. What's up, everybody? And we've also got a special guest returning with us is our favorite Jeopardy champion and Superman Returns apologist, Stephen Grade, is back on the podcast from Atlanta. Say hello, Stephen. I prefer Superman Returns defender as opposed to apologist, but I suppose I'll take it. <laughs> hello, everybody. You got a lot of shit for your uh, stamp of that <laughs> well, uh, from let, our let, listeners. Let's so. get back into it. I got an extra four hours. <laughs> I'm sure, I am sure you do. Hopefully we'll be covering something that will not stir up quite the same animosity this <laughs> evening. But yeah, how are you guys doing? Just rocking and rolling at this point. So yeah, I have an appointment for a haircut this week. Actually, tomorrow oh, morning yeah? I'm getting my hair chopped off finally. So uh, it's nice. a big step. I am. Uh, yeah, I'm like coming out of the cave basically. So <laughs> nature is healing, and so is our hair. Did you get your second shot already, or no? No, no. But like the 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 lady who's doing the haircut has had her second shot, and yeah, yeah. I'll wear a mask. I don't care. I just want this fucking horrendous horseshit <laughs> off the top of my head. It's so yeah, long. I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I'm actually able to fucking get my hair cut again. I don't know. I'm um, just getting it weird. chopped off. Just getting it lopped off. So. Yeah. I do yeah. have my second shot booked now. I've got my second shot booked for next Tuesday. Uh, oh, nice! So, so you got yeah. you got moved up quite a bit. That's, that's yeah. Well, I got I got moved up to eight weeks instead of twelve, and so I'm actually eligible as we're recording this. I'm eligible tomorrow, um, oh, nice. but like the earliest actual appointment I could get uh, for the I'm getting a Pfizer for my second shot because I saw like some study that says that it'll give me a better immune response than getting a second AstraZeneca shot. So Fair here enough. we don't often get into science nerdery on the fucking <laughs> podcast, but there you go. If you want to, I have some people, I know some people who can get into that with you. Oh, absolutely. I know some some vaccine researchers who I'm sure would love to talk about it. (laughs) A little outside our week. 18 months. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think people are coming to our podcast to find (laughs) us. To listen. Hard-hitting science analysis. (laughs) To hear hear about, you know, shit that they've been seeing on the news for the past fucking year and a half. (laughs) I'm sure Tim would be wonderful at talking to these people also, because, like, he's got that background, but... That basically just like I'm gone at that point. Yeah. Like, there's no. <laughs> it would be like Mark on a Lord of the Rings episode. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> the only science we're here to talk about is the way that yellow sun affects Kryptonians and yes. time travel. Wow. Yeah, and time travel this week, and yeah, how how plutonium is required for time travel, and what is a gigawatt? Anybody? What is a gigawatt? What is that? <laughs> it's a mispronunciation, is what it is. It was supposed to be gigawatt, and Christopher Lloyd said it wrong, and they just rolled with it. <laughs> It's so uniquely identified with this movie. So it really yeah. is, yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, let's get into this week's nerdy news. I'm starting off with a story that is just fucking tailor made for our podcast. <laughs> the national headline across every news outlet, nerdy or not, this week is that Batman doesn't fucking give head. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the news that people really want. Exactly. Like, right now, right yeah, now, nobody wants to hear about vaccines. Uh, Everybody we, this week. Are we talking about vaccines? 
Yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to talk about the fact that Batman apparently will not go down on Catwoman. Because what had happened was <laughs> there was a interview with Justin Halpern, who's one of the co-creators of the Harley Quinn animated series, and they're gearing up for their third season now. And they had a scene written into the third season where Batman apparently is administering cunnilingus to Selina Kyle. And DC said, no, you cannot do that. That is not something that Batman does. Citing, you know, the usual reasons, like we sell fucking kids toys of this character. We can't have them fucking like going down on each other, basically. (laughs) But it just spawned uh, some of the most beautiful memes I have seen in quite a while about. Yeah, about the whole thing. I don't know what else to say about it because, like, <laughs> honestly, the internet said everything it needed to <laughs> really on its own. Is. Almost yeah, go, go to our page. I shared a really nice, like, little meme cache of uh, oh. on, on our on our on Dance Robot Dance Facebook. And like, page. as as a guy who follows like a not small percentage of comic book creators on Twitter, like my feed was just like everybody giving their hot take. Like, I was getting hot takes from Joe Quesada to fucking Neil Adams to. Everybody was given their little. Todd McFarlane had a take on it this week. Everybody had a comment on Batman's cunnilingus preferences and whatnot. And yeah. I just have to say, do you really think Selena Kyle is marrying a dude who's not going down on her? <laughs> this is true. This is Selena Kyle we're talking about. So that's my take on it. It's basically, <laughs> Catwoman's not hooking up with somebody who's not taking care of her. You know. Yeah. So. All- all aspects. So. I mean, he, he's got a lot of gadgets, though. Do you not think I like mean, he might have you know some other tricks in his belt so he doesn't need the old the old bat, the old uh, tongue? I mean, the old bat tongue. You would assume he's really good at it. He can speak like fifty eight languages, right? So like <laughs> speaking in tongues, like <laughs> why would legs. why sure whatever? <laughs> but I mean, the toy is the toys is a valid argument. You figure a guy who invents that much stuff's probably got some like you know, I mean. Where does he get those wonderful toys, Mark? Yeah, I mean, Wayne Tech, God only knows what else they do on the side. You know what I mean? They might have a whole like R&D division that's just like <laughs> slick black sex toys for all we know, you know? Yeah, and the DC, and and shit. I think it's now DC canon that, like, uh, D, or, that Wayne Tech are the makers of the magic wand in DC continuity. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> and everyone is like a secret device that's reporting back to the Batcave. Gotta know what's going on out there, you know. He's it's true. <laughs> so stay tuned, Batman. Yeah. Stay tuned for Mark and I's, uh, you know, offshoot podcast about the sexual habits of comic book characters. <laughs> I mean, if it was a hot enough topic that like people actually listen to the podcast as a result <laughs> of us discussing it, I would gladly sit down and really like think, put some time into thinking about like. <laughs> Like, I'll, put that, the, I'll put that on the episode list. Think about the weird fucking positions you get into if you were like had this powers of a spider. You know what I mean? I think, <laughs> I think we just I think we just came up with our like episode three hundred topic. There you go. Our There's next, next anniversary episode. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. that we could just real quick run through the live action Batman. I mean, Adam West, one hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> I saw Michael I saw Keaton, a post that actually did that. Yeah. Val Kilmer, absolutely. Clooney, definitely. Christian Bale, not in the first two movies, but in the third at the end, he's a little more chilled out. So I'm thinking, yes. I mean, half the way, yeah, probably. Well, I mean, but yeah, by the time we see them in, what is it, Paris or whatever, Rome, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and that he's also, with Selena Kyle, again, because yeah. he's with yeah. Selena Kyle. Which with Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's also with Anne Hathaway, which would be like volunteer. 
That explains why Rachel left him for Two-Face in The Dark Knight. Two-Face has two faces to go down with Connor with. He didn't have any. Fair. Yeah, and then uh, Batfleck, I feel like probably not. Yeah, he seems like he's like, he would start and then it would like remind him of Martha or something. And then he oh, Lord. Appears. Oh, Lord. All there's, right. There's some like, there's some like edible. Steven's giving up on ever going back to Jeopardy. Apparently, he's working exactly. blue tonight. Yeah, CBS is not listening to this podcast. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> we had a couple of very familiar places to Atlanta nerds slash Dragon Con fans on this week's episode of Loki. We will definitely end up doing a whole or a whole episode on the season of Loki. But uh, yeah, so the first one the fucking cold open was the georgia renaissance festival which i know i've talked about on the podcast before and I, i've actually really been missing this year because some of my friends have been going to it over the last like few weeks or so uh, and then the other thing in this week's episode of loki that was very familiar to dragon con atlanta nerds was the marriott hotel uh, which is sort of the heart of dragon con it's the central hotel for all of dragon con featured very heavily in this week's episode it's like where loki's offices and everything uh, in the time variance authority so like spent like a good fucking like 10 or 15 minutes on exactly those fucking sets so yeah and they did uh they did a lot of work dressing it up to look just like the oldest house too it's still like reeks of control so like well i mean it already does like that that building has so much concrete and like like lighting under railings and shit like that already so like they didn't have much fucking work to do no, but it's so. it's it's like the perfect building to go into and use for to get that evoke mm-hmm. that particular like ambiance. So yeah, it's yeah. still leaning right into that feeling. So yeah, made me feel right at home. Show's just fucking killing me. It's been fantastic. Like oh yeah, yeah. Even this sure. week, I was like, where are we going now? Like they they pulled so many like I don't, like this is the we were at the point at the end of episode two that I thought we wouldn't be at until the end of episode four. So I'm like, now where the fuck are we going for like <laughs> four more episodes? So yeah. all right, let's do this thing. I'm just just pulling the band-aid off real quick. I've been very happy with Yeah. This has been really good. So, so else do we have? Uh, since we're already talking Marvel, let's stick on the Disney side for a little bit. We got confirmation that the fucking live action Beauty and the Beast Gaston prequel is happening that's gonna show like Gaston and LeFou meeting up. I don't know why. <laughs> Luke Evans was the best part of that movie. Like, if, I, just, if they I bring, didn't watch it. it. It was fine. It doesn't need to exist in a world where you've already got the animated version, but yeah. it was it was fine, but he was far and away the best part of it. So if they want to do more with him in that role, I'm fine with it. Like, it doesn't need to exist, but I'm sure that he will be, he will sing and he will be entertaining, so... Just fucking own up to it and make them a couple. Make make Gaston buy. It's just Pride <laughs> Month. Just do it. <laughs> also on the Disney side, see all of the Disney Plus original shows, I should have said this right after Loki, are including the Marvel stuff, are from now on going to be airing or dropping, I guess, on Wednesdays rather than on Fridays. So that's probably going to be for pretty much everything for Star Wars, anything that hasn't started airing already. Basically, that's a Disney Plus original show is going to start dropping on Wednesday because I guess it's just working better for them. Yeah, I guess the numbers went through the roof for Loki's premiere episode. So they were like, well, let's just keep this going going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, stuff like, <laughs> yeah, stuff like the uh, Book of Boba Fett and She-Hulk and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Ms. Marvel, probably when it comes out as well, will all probably be releasing on Wednesdays. Yep. Pretty soon, each streaming service will have their own night. Netflix will have Fridays, Disney Plus will have Wednesdays, and then they'll all start releasing stuff at like 8 o'clock Eastern, and then we'll just be back to linear TV. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, especially now that uh, like Disney Plus, not, not as much Netflix, but Disney Plus is releasing one episode per week kind yeah, of thing, whereas Netflix thing. is still still usually dumping everything all at once. See, on the plus side, we're doing like six, eight, 12 episodes and keeping it short and consistent kind of thing, as opposed mm-hmm. to like we're going to do 22 episodes spread out over 52 weeks and... Oh Lord, the quality is going to be all over the place and all that other good stuff. So yeah, for sure. Although I mean, we covered a show last week that was only ten episodes and varied wildly in quality. Well, you know, he can't win them all, but I figured we're winning more <laughs> these days with the shorter seasons than yeah. we were before. So, Stephen, did you watch Modoc? I've not seen Modoc yet. Now, maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch Robot Chicken instead. Basically, <laughs> I can do that. Pretty much our, our whole takeaway from it. Yeah. There's a Rick and Morty season coming up in like a couple of weeks, I <laughs> yeah, think. Right? Next, so next that'll week. That is it next week? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Just wait till that fucking hits. Starts starts on the 20th. By the time our listeners are hearing uh-huh. this, it will already be out, I think. so. Yeah, probably. We're real slow on the edit lately, so there is that. <laughs> well, they Maybe. can listen to us talk about the original Rick and Morty and then go watch the newfangled Rick and Morty. It's true. It's very true. Then the last Disney bit of news I had this week was that, and this impacts me directly, Disney is doing away with mask requirements for anybody that is vaccinated. But the problem is, is they're not requiring proof of vaccination. So if you, like, they still want you to wear a mask in their U.S. park. So that's Disneyland in California and Disney World in Florida. They still want you to wear a mask if you go to those parks and you're not vaccinated. But, like, it's all the fucking honor system. So there's going to be a fun bunch of fucking anti-mask, anti-vax assholes wandering around Disney World without masks on, is my takeaway from this. Uh, have fun. Going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be, I'll be vaccinated, so... <laughs> it's going to be a while before I, I, I'm back in the States. I don't, I, I'll trust my fellow Canadians probably more than I'll trust uh, what's going on in the States these days. So Yeah, our vaccination yeah. rates are looking pretty good up here. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. We're like approaching 80%, I think, in terms of first dose right now. Yeah. So then on the DC side of the street, we got a full title by from James Wan for the next Aquaman movie. Aquaman 2 is going to be subtitled The Lost Kingdom. Doesn't really tell us very much, except maybe there's a kingdom in the movie that was lost. Wasn't there supposed to be like seven... Or something like that in the original movie. I'm quoting a movie that I've seen like once. So, you know what? <laughs> yeah, it's been Ignore a while me. since I've uh, gone back and watched it as well. This was just one of those things where they like James Wan just posted a picture uh, from a production meeting that had the subtitle there. So, eh, little little tiny bits of news. Uh, we did get a full trailer for season two of Stargirl. And I quite like the first season of Stargirl. So, I'm looking forward to this. And it features a Green Lantern. It features jade who is alan scott the like old golden age green lantern's daughter cool that'll be interesting to see and we got a trailer for titan season three as well and found out that it is going to feature jason todd which or red the red hood as jason todd that character showed up in the second season so yeah we'll see what happens there yeah you're probably on your own for that one after season two (laughs) Sorry, yeah, buddy. I mean, I feel that like was... I, I kind of have to watch that one, but yeah, you'll have to let me know how that turns out because, uh, <laughs> nope, fool me once. Yeah, 
we uh, E3 also is the thing that happened, and I'm going to have to lean on Mark for what news came out of there that was actually like pretty relevant. I mean, I I mostly am here for the Nintendo stuff. Yeah, we did get a Breath of the Wild two trailer that shows some actual gameplay footage, including some interesting new skills that Link has, and also shows that it is very like heavily sky based kind of thing. Like there's fl- floating islands and shit like that and uh, the castle ends up floating and stuff as well so yeah and then the other thing in that trailer that i noticed was that link's one of link's right arm seems to have been like maybe possessed by the sheikah slate something like that which looks kind of interesting i don't know if that means that he's sort of like internalized all the sheikah slate's abilities or something like that now he's got some princess mononoke stuff going on he does Well, actually, you could get some Akira stuff going on with an arm that looks like that eventually, too. So it could, be, <laughs> it could get real weird. Here come yeah. the tentacles. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know. I was on, like, I, I'm on board for the Zelda stuff. The, the the one that I was up for on the Nintendo front was more of the Metroid stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So the other big announcement was that there is a new 2D Metroid game from Nintendo. Anyways, was that there's a new 2D Metroid game announced called Metroid Dread. It's the first 2D Metroid game since, I don't know, for like fucking 20 years or something like that, pretty much. Technically, Other M was a 2D side-scrolling game, but like in terms of like ones that people actually want to play, it's (laughs) been a long time. Yeah, so it was like 2002, I think, Metroid Fusion came out. And this is technically Metroid 5, which is really exciting because it means they're actually moving the story forward, which is hasn't like we've been waiting for Metroid 5 since Metroid Fusion came out in 2002 because that, that came out the same year that Metroid Prime originally came out. So yeah, all these like we haven't had a new proper Metroid game since then and now they're like we're getting two what what? So yeah. actually no, cuz Samus Returns came out on DS not too long ago. That was the one I was thinking about. Uh they did the they the remake of Metroid 2 on 3DS right at the end of its life cycle like last year. And then uh, now, but now, yeah, we're getting actual Metroid 5 and Metroid Prime 4. Still sounds like it's being made, which is great. And then if you want to talk about, like, Microsoft announced a bunch of stuff for their next year. Actually, the one that we should talk about, probably. The Guardians of the Galaxy The Guardians of the Galaxy game. (laughs) It's going to be just as fucking disappointing as the Avengers game, because it's, like, it's it's the not-quite-right fucking Guardians of the Galaxy, because they can't do the likenesses of any of the MCU characters, and so... Which it, I'm like I'm torn on this because like I love the Spider-Man game that came out for PS4, right? Like, and yeah. that's a separate. It's not Square Enix. It's not. I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely something about the way they're doing this. This like it. I want it to click the way Spider-Man does, and it's not at all clicking the way Spider-Man does. And it's like it just feels like they're they're just yeah doing like the porn parody version of fucking marvel movies yeah. <laughs> as video games it's like the and wrong like, sounding muppets as <laughs> as fucking mcu characters and like some of it's cool though because they're throwing in some of the comic booky kind of like design aspects like gamora is way more like the comic book gamora and like drax is a little bit more like comic booky and like so is uh, rocket just from looking at them but like that's not what regular people want regular people want you know, MCU. fucking MCU guardians. So it's yeah, like John Batista and fucking yeah, Chris Pratt, John, Dave, Dave Batista. Yeah, get John from 
Just call him Batista, man. He's a Batista. <laughs> a WWE champion, man. You, you just combined John Cena and Dave Batista. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably what it was. You probably I, can't see, I can't see either of them. So, Ex- Well, exactly. You're right. That's actually, that's really funny that they're both, now they have that. <laughs> both jokes they can use. Yeah. Randy Orton needs to get on that. He's the last one of those guys, I think, that doesn't have one of those. <laughs> I fucking disappear jokes. <laughs> Either way, I don't know why they keep doing this shit. Like, it's like... I wonder if people are more willing to accept different Spider-Man in the video game because we're so much more used to having different mainstream Spider-Man. Like you've got, uh, yeah, you've got Tobey Maguire, three. you've got Andrew yeah. Garfield, you've got Tom Holland, you've got Into the Spider-Verse. Like you've yeah, got I th- all these different Spider-Men that have popped to a certain degree or another. And then there's only been one Captain America that really popped. And there's only been yeah. one Iron Man that really popped. So with Spider-Man, you're like, okay, it's, you know, that's Peter Parker. I get it. But if it's Tony Stark or if it's, you know, Peter Quill, it's like, no, 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 that's, that's the off brand version. Yeah. I think there's, there's an aspect of that too. Like Spider-Man's an easier character to kind of like you squint and it's fine. And like in the game also, like you're just hearing a voice, really. It's still Spider. You can have Spider-Man look like he does in the MCU while you're playing the whole game. Like he can bomb around in any of the Stark suits. They're all available to you basically from the start of the game. Right. So yeah, you could kind of fool yourself in that game a little bit. Plus, like, yeah, I don't know. For me, Spidey's, like, completely a different fucking thing entirely from all these other characters anyway. So it's hard to say. But I, you're probably mostly right there, Steven. And also, just do a better job, for fuck's sakes. Like, Or, like, fucking, like, don't keep trying to make games that are so, like, heavily tied to the MCU. Like, there's tons of other fucking Marvel characters that they could go off and make games about kind of thing. Do it first. Like, make a Blade game before Blade happens. You know what I mean? Do a fucking X-Men game. Like, the X-Men are fucking a disaster right now. Exactly. You know, continuity-wise. So, like, fucking make an X-Men game where nobody's, like, super tied to anybody. But even fucking uh, Logan we haven't had in qu- around quite a while in movies so like yeah i don't know yeah i don't know there hasn't been an x-men video game like they get included in some of the marvel stuff here and there like uh, but not often because, like especially because of the fox thing for so yeah. long it's just until now it would, it would be more of an option but now everything has to go through disney and disney doesn't have a video game division anymore which is kind of a weird thing like I did just see something today that was it was weird because it popped up in one of the adventure game communities that I'm in saying that uh, Disney are actually open to allowing indie game studios to start playing around with some of their properties. I don't imagine they're going to let them touch fucking like Avengers or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. That, that gave me some hope that maybe they'll start letting some of those old like Lucasfilm properties get you know have new versions made and shit like that like some of my old uh, beloved like monkey island and maniac mansion series and that sort of thing I sam, sam and max i don't know i would just hand all this shit over to a fucking sony first party but that means it's playstation exclusive at that point you know what i mean like that's the, the one me. caveat i mean it's fine but yes it's fine but i mean i <laughs> i got my dark plates and everything so i'm fucking all on board at this point yeah but yeah i just i don't know these games are really weird either way that's not the only thing that got announced at e3 microsoft announced a bunch of stuff too that's coming to game pass uh most up to date i think there was like new footage from the new halo infinity which is coming out soon and looks a lot better than it did when we last saw it so that's <sighs> Like, Jesus Christ, the <laughs> last time they showed it, it looked like a 360 game trying to run on the next-gen console. I was like, 
Oh, man. Not good, guys. <laughs> but they also announced that Starfield will be coming out in 2022, which is the big Bethesda new RPG out in space thing, which I'm kind of stoked for. Although it has, it just, I, I can feel the Cyberpunk 2077 all over this game in terms of just like over promising what they're going to be trying to do in terms and what they're actually going to be able to deliver is, you know, we'll have to see. And then was there anything else that was like, crazy exciting in there i'm trying to remember like i know there were trailers for stuff that was already announced but like i don't know how much was sort of like brand new like i think the big stuff was just like we've got we've got footage of halo and like yeah the bethesda stuff is like pretty much like kind of exclusively on the microsoft side now so if you are looking at those games yeah it's xbox or pc for you yeah which you know whatever yeah like a lot of the chatter i was seeing about e3 was like over the course of the weekend was like okay, nothing really exciting has happened. Then the Nintendo Direct happens and everybody's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like I, there was a Left 4 Dead, like maybe a sequel. Is there a, like, or there's a bunch of games that are coming out that basically ape the Left 4 Dead franchise. I played a little bit of Left 4 Dead too back in I the did day. too, it was, it was fun. fun. Good times, like it was fun online. Yeah. yeah, lots of, like Nintendo really dominated the week in terms of the, like, like their announcements were, I mean, Breath of the Wild 2 and then like unretiring Metroid and like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a big deal, yeah. especially when Microsoft kind of came out like they, they announced some stuff, but it's like stuff we kind of knew was in the pipe already. Like, I think the like the the next game that, that's coming out that they were talking about was the new Forza, which like I'll play it because it's free on Game Pass. But like, it's just a racing game. So, you know, not exactly going to be selling systems with that. But like Halo's there and hopefully they've got some other stuff yeah. that I would, could look at in detail and find out sounds appealing but yeah. and then nintendo did have some like some of their tier two titles that got yeah there's a new WarioWare and like a new version of and mario, mario party, party coming out and yeah. stuff too so and uh, yeah so and then sony again i think they're going to do something this week like some kind of like state of play thing but like, everybody like nope, everybody kind of ignores e3 kind of sometimes yeah. now, well, you know, like, they, some people especially do. now that it's all or, like online EA does they, like their own thing and it's, yeah. it's a fucking mess now so i don't know especially like the last couple of years because it's all online they've realized like we don't actually have to do anything that's tied to e3 because we don't need to like oh no our inner space or whatever to do it right no. we'll just release stuff around it and it will still sort of ride Tight. the coattails yeah yeah but nintendo's been doing that for the past like decade so yeah i don't know either way while we're talking about video games and Nintendo stuff, Mark is a happy boy because the Netflix Castlevania series is getting a spinoff that is based on the Rondo of Blood games uh, in Symphony of, of the Night. I know, and it doesn't involve the shitty creator that was involved with the first series. <laughs> yeah, I think they basically ejected Warren Ellis from the creative staff of the original <laughs> Castlevania like series and basically reconstituted it around a new writer and our base. Yeah, and I guess th- as a result of that, they decided that it would be a perfect time to do a little time skip and move into the era of Castlevania that I love the best, which is like Raya revolving around Richter Belmont and Alucard around Symphony of the Night and Rondo, which are both dope games that I played a million times. So I'm excited if it's going to be the same animation style and like they're going to have some of that voice cast come back. Like I'm assuming James Callis will come back and do Alucard again. So let's do this. I'm on board. James Callis from uh, Battlestar. Yeah. He's the voice of Alucard. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. We talked about this because he likes some of my Alucard fan art. Oh, right. Yes. And I was yeah, like, remember, I was like, Baltar, Baltar just fucking Baltar, clicked yeah. on one of my art, one of my pieces of art. And yeah. you were like, really? Why? I'm like, because he's the voice of Alucard. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 
Yeah. We also got a new trailer, or the first trailer for, oh no, I guess not, first full trailer, let's say, for Picard Season 2, which does show John Delancey as Q in all his older glory, which, for some reason, Q ages. Literally the only way they're getting me back to watch that fucking show is because he's in it. <laughs> like, literally, I don't, know, I don't know if they would have been able to get me back with any other character, but they'll get me back with Q. Fuckers. Yeah. And Those it looks fuckers. it looks like a, sort of in a case of emergency. Alternate. Oh, my yeah. God. Exactly. Right. Like they knew after the reception season one got that they were like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? All right. Bring you back. Fuck it. He wants to come back. Let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So and it looks like very much a, a Q story. It looks like, you know, Q fucking with the timeline kind of thing and showing Jean-Luc what might have been if he'd taken a road not traveled sort of thing and everybody having alternate futures and shit. So. Just oh like, no! You mean they're doing a full season-length version of Tapestry? Oh, how yeah. horrible! <laughs> yeah, well, you don't know what these writers it might be, dude. So <laughs> you bite your fucking tongue, Mister Gray, because like <laughs> you talk hey. shit. Hey, if, <laughs> if, if they erase the events of the first season through a Q storyline, then maybe that's for the best. I guess so. It still means I fucking wasted eight episodes of watching. So just to fucking watch Data die. Yeah, again. Again, I, I already did that once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bring him back just to fucking kill him again. Uh, at least that's just, just, to, just to like euthanize him this time, the second time. Yeah, around, almost, basically. almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there wasn't a cool ship battle happening around it. So, like, <laughs> uh. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Picard was the best part of Picard, and Picard and Q facing off is some of the best shit of TNG. So, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah. <laughs> the very last thing that I had was that we got a little, another bit of casting news. We've just been getting like bits and pieces about the fourth Matrix movie. And this one is that Jessica Henwick, who played Colleen Wing in Iron Fist and Defenders, is going to be in this movie in an undis- undisclosed role. But I liked her in Iron Fist, so I'm cool with that. I mean, yeah, she's like tailor made for like, uh, basically a kung fu movie so yeah absolutely sign her up yeah exactly. she was great in iron fist like she can hold her own so that's good yeah for sure it's weird that they're making a casting announcement about that movie when it just had a test screening two nights ago like so somehow they you she, either she's like doing all of her work in post or yeah <laughs> or they just kept that completely under wraps for all of filming well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they put Tignataro into fucking army of the dead like <laughs> well after the fucking fact so well that's what i mean like you hear this so often where it's like i thought that movie wrapped and they're just casting somebody like, what the fuck's going it on wasn't, it's like, no, it wasn't that they were casting her is that she I, it's already filmed but she was in an interview and basically revealed that she was in the movie oh okay fair enough i mean yeah Okay, I don't. It just still feels weird because sometimes you hear like, yeah, they, even this where it's like they're they've probably announced a cast at some point that she wasn't in. Yeah, right. And then, like, well, they they've been pretty like tight about this. Like they haven't really said much true. about you know what what the plot's going to be or anything like that. They've just been like all we've really got out of it is is little casting bits and pieces here and there. And when does that come out? I don't know. I mean, if they're test screening it later must, this year, I think. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I, I think it's like this a, year, right? Like Christmas ish. Yeah. Well, Fall winter. We'll see what happens. I didn't even man. know it was done filming. I I didn't even know it started filming. So like, you know, they were still talking about like Christina Ricci being cast like a couple weeks ago. So I was yeah. like, yeah. okay. Yeah, it is Christmas release. It looks to be okay. Cool. December twenty second in North America. 
Well, I guess we'll get to see this year then. Yep. One way or the other. <laughs> it's been a whole lot of time in the movie theaters in like the fall this year, fall and winter this year. Yeah, I have to see how I feel about that. But yeah, I guess <laughs> from double vax, we'll have to see. Yeah, exactly. That was all the news that I had. Was there anything that I missed, gentlemen? Uh, no, aside from just probably E3 stuff we should have talked about, but like I can't keep track of everything over the course of a week. So who knows? Have you done an episode since the anime uh, Lord of the Rings yes. Rohan movie? Okay, I figured yeah. you must have. I just wanted to make sure that <laughs> yeah, we that, weren't that, making that... an egregious error that was going to get us all yelled at. <laughs> no, that dropped like the day that we recorded last week. So gotcha. We yeah. definitely talked about that. That's what. It, that's for me. That's always the question. I'm like, what did we talk about? Like right before we recorded last, and <laughs> yeah. then like, what did we talk about the days, a couple days after we were record, like we recorded, and then like talk about in the chat, but for thought that we talked about on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> if it's between when we record and when I'm editing, sometimes things get a little fuzzy. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. You're existing in multiple timelines. It's yeah, it exactly. is difficult. So all right, well you can move on to our geek of the week which is a segment where we talk about the nerdiest things we've done in the past week or so. So let's go to our guest star, Steven, first. What was your Geek of the Week? I have been, I can't believe it took me this long until like, well, now it's quasi-quarantine for us, but it took me 15 months of being stuck at home to finally get into board games and card games. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've dove in with both feet. So we've been playing Civilization A New Dawn, which is basically Civ, Civ Five, the board game. Uh, we've been playing uh, a two-player version of Settlers of Catan, a card game called Rivals for Catan. My wife, Kristen, broke out her old copies of the Lord of the Rings trading card game. <laughs> or not Lord of the Rings, uh, Game of Thrones, sorry. Okay. Yeah, the Game of Thrones trading card game. We've also been playing a co-op Lord of the Rings board game I got like 20 years ago. Because it came with an, a, a, like an official piece of concept art from the movie. Uh, and I finally got somebody who's willing to play that with me. <laughs> So we've just been like, we're just having like board game weekends where we set up a little card table out on our front porch and we just deal each other cards and move little pieces around our boards and, until we can't see outside anymore. Nice. So board games in general, but if you're a Civ fan, Civilization and New Dawn, if you're a Game of Thrones and a trading card game fan, uh, the it's out of print now, but you can still find copies of the whole thing on eBay or on, you know, at, I'm sure it's some uh, game stores around. Mm-hmm. That game's a lot of fun. Catan, two thumbs up. So yeah, uh, board games, card games. Nice. Yeah, the only board like yeah, board games are tricky because you've got to find the right ones that you can really do with two with two players. Or sometimes there's like an NPC or something like mm-hmm. that that you have to like deal in or whatever kind of thing. But yeah, I did a bit of like online board gaming with some friends of mine that live in like Nashville or Memphis, Memphis. A while, yeah, for a few like weekends during the pandemic, and it was fun. It was a nice, nice mm-hmm. way to pass the time. Yeah, yeah, that Catan one is like specifically for two players, and the other ones have like dual versions that you can mm-hmm. play like with only two people. But that that one's been a lot of fun. I was just playing this before we got on on the uh, on the call because uh, it's perfect for two people. That's what it's made for. Nice, cool. Uh, Mark, what did your geek of the week? Oh, my iPad Pro finally came in. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I've been just fiddling with that. These new machines are just. It's quite a nice piece of hardware. Uh, basically, like I, all the stuff that I can do on my rig in terms of like drawing, I can do on the iPad. Basically, like the same kind of rate. Like, you know what I mean? Like the the pen works just as well as a Wacom pen, more or less, with some tweaks and so, that kind of stuff. And like the software is pretty capable. So I'm like, and like it, the hardware is fast enough that there's no lag on it. And I'm just like, this is the fucking best piece of fucking equipment I've owned in a long time. <laughs> and also, like the screen is like 
insanely pristine. Like it looks like print. It's so nice. These new, like the whatever liquid crystal Crazy. XDR, yeah, yeah. yeah, Retina display that they put in the new iPad Pro. So this is an iPad Pro 12.9 inch. This is a one terabyte model. So it's, I'm running 16 gigs of RAM. It is. It's so fucking fast. I don't even know what to do with it. I'm just like, I'm still figuring out what it can replace in, in my workflow. Like I'm still working out everything, like how about I can replace and like, well, how often I'll have to be sitting in front of my desk to work, which is like not very often anymore. So that's kind of cool. Basically just to do like the big combined pieces. I need all the Ram in the world to feed illustrator while I'm putting everything together at the mm-hmm. end. But in terms of like drawing individual stuff, I'm like, no, I can just do everything on the iPad and, yeah, build the bigger pieces on here, but like, yeah, the yeah, individual yeah. stuff in detail, I can do all that on the iPad now, just like anywhere, park bench, in the car, fucking wherever. Because I even got the, this thing's like a cellular one too, so I'm I gotta go get a SIM card this weekend and hook it up to the five G. But that means it's basically internet connected anywhere I go. So yeah, yeah, it's a nice, nice piece of kit. If like, I'm not gonna say like, if you want to replace your tablet, go buy one of, like <laughs> this one because this is a professional level fucking piece of like equipment that I bought for my illustration job that I do for a living. So you know, yeah, I spent we spent a good chunk of cash on it, but like the the screens are nuts. So if you're looking for a tablet, I cannot not recommend Apple's tablets because I bought my grandparents and uh, just like an Air a couple months ago. And I was like, wow, this is really nice, like for like an entry level, like $700 tablet. But like this fucking pro one, whoo boy, kind of, <laughs> you can tell the difference kind of thing. So all my other screens look like shit now is the only problem. Like, I'm like, I got to replace every fucking screen I own now. So that's, that might be my next week, geek of the week is like, oh, I'm shopping for screens and they're impossible <laughs> to get as well as everything else that you want to buy. So, yeah. Nice. All right. My Geek of the Week this week, I, I think I've talked on the podcast before about like my treadmill shows. That my last one was Battlestar Galactica, which I just finished. So I started a new one at the recommendation of my friend Celia, who we had on the podcast a few, I don't know, month or so Weeks ago. Weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that did uh, work on the costumes for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, they had been recommending Dark Crystal Age of Resistance for quite a while now. Oh, no. You watched it? <laughs> I've started watching it. So I'm, I'm only on, like, the first episode. But, like, I am impressed with the production quality of this fucking show they spent some fucking dollars on the show it looks really really good like especially compared to the like fucking 1982 or whatever like original dark crystal movie that movie so much better and yeah i mean like i said i'm I'm still only on like the first episode so i'm still kind of you know getting invested into it or, you know, seeing how much I'll get invested into the story. But the other thing that really like the fucking voice cast in it is just stacked to the rafters to the point where like, it's hard for me to remember all the amazing, like all the fucking talent that's in it. But like Taron Edgerton and Anya Taylor joy are like the two lead Gelflings and Natalie Emmanuel from game of Thrones plays another one of them. Gugu Mbatha-Ra, who's on Loki right now, plays another one. Helena Bonham Carter's in there. Jason Isaac, Simon Pegg, Benedict Wan, Wong, Mark Hamill, Keegan-Michael Key. And then there's like, you know, even in the guest stars, it's like fucking Eddie Izzard and Lena Headey and fucking Natalie Dormer and Mark Strong and shit. Like this fucking voice cast is just insane. Sigourney Weaver is the fucking narrator. Like, 
I was just Fair really enough. crazy about like every voice I was hearing. I was like, I, I recognize that. And I'd look it up and be like, that's why I recognize that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, fair enough. So you'll probably hear more from it about me, but it is just the production value on it. I was just really impressed by so far. Yeah, it, is, it is like theatrical release level cast and production. Like if yeah. they could have, if they had released that into theaters, nobody would have batted an eye. Yeah, huh. yeah, absolutely. To the point where, like, I'm, I'm, I can see why they maybe weren't able to do a second season because it was like this just cost way too fucking much to make. So I don't think we can do another season of it. Which, which, if it holds up, you know, the way that it has in the first episode is unfortunate, but we'll see. Uh, all right, so we can move on to our meat of the episode: meat fading from existence. Because this week we are talking about the classic 1985 time travel adventure comedy back to the future which was i don't not produced but somehow put out by steven spielberg uh because it's amblin isn't it was it no it's universal it's produced by universal and amblin yeah yeah but he doesn't have a producer credit maybe maybe he's like an ep or something like that probably Uh, but yeah it's like i mean it starts with spielberg presented there's something about him seeing the script too, right? Like he was involved in like like Zemeckis is like was like his protege, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, they, yeah, he he sort of fostered Zemeckis through a, a few different pro, uh, projects. So yeah, uh, Robert Zemeckis directed this is you know a movie or a fucking franchise at this point that has spawned two sequels, an animated series, video games, comic books, board games, a theme park ride, and even a fucking musical that I didn't know about that came out early in 2020, unfortunately, in in England, and then obviously had to shut down pretty quickly due to COVID. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a classic. Where to start? Let's just start by talking about sort of our experiences growing up with Back to the Future. So, Stephen, how about you first? What is your your history with this movie? Oh, I mean, it was just one of those that was always on TV. Like, it was always on HBO or it was always part of, like, a Thanksgiving Day movie marathon on TBS or something yeah. like that. And it was just one of those that I've always enjoyed time travel stuff, and this was very much right up my alley. I don't know if I can remember the first time I saw it, but I can remember being, you know, five or six years old and, you know, being at a neighbor's house for Thanksgiving dinner and sitting in the basement, watch then turning this movie on and watching like back to the future part one and then back to the future part two. And then they didn't show back to the future part three after <laughs> it. And I had never seen part three before. And I was incredibly disappointed. In fact, that might've been the first time I saw part two, but it was just one of those. that's kind of always there. Like it's just always kind of been one of my favorite movies. And I don't know specifically when or how that happened, but it's just a movie that has kind of permeated my entire being at this point that I can just it's one of those movies that if I turn it on, I have to watch it all the way to the end because every five minutes is another scene that I love to pieces and I can't bear to turn off. And it's been like that as long as I can remember. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, it's just one of those ones that just seems like it's always kind of been there because, I mean, it came out when I was like fucking four years old. And so, you know, it's just always kind of been around. Alicia and I watched it last night and I found out that my wife had never seen Back to the Future before. She's pretty sure she's seen the second movie, but had never seen like it was sort of familiar <laughs> with the first one, but had apparently never seen the majority of the first one. 
which is kind of mind boggling. But yeah, for me, like this was a big favorite, like the original Back to the Future was a big favorite in my family growing up. Like all of my, my mom had a big fucking crush on Michael J. Fox. My dad, my sister, both like were super into the movie too. So it was just, I think it was one of those ones that we had originally recorded from TV and just like on a VHS and just watched over and over again before my dad actually like finally just bought the movie. And I think bought like the whole trilogy because we had we had all of them as well. So, yeah, just always been around. And yes, it is just just a classic in my eyes. And yeah, one of my I don't know where I'd place it. Like if I you know, we've never tried to do, you know, movie rankings because it's just so fucking difficult. Uh, We've agonized enough over album rankings on this goddamn podcast. But I don't know. I feel like this would be top 15, maybe top 10 for me. Mark, how are you? Yeah, it, it's exactly the same story where it's just like it was on a million, like it's on everywhere, like all the time. That's why when <laughs> Tim told me Alicia had never seen the movie, I was like, how? It's not even, how's that physically possible? It's Her on, response like, was basically Nickelodeon. That was pretty guess, much it. <laughs> I guess. Like I was watching Nickelodeon. <laughs> okay, but like that doesn't actually explain it because like it's still on TV fucking constantly. Yeah. Either way, yeah, like this is one of those, again, like we're the same age, so like it's exactly the same story. It was on constantly growing up. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I know I've seen it hundreds of times since then. Like anytime <laughs> it comes on, I'll just sit down and like watch it from whatever point I started watching it at. And just like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll watch it till the end. And then I'll probably go find my DVD copy and watch it from the beginning to make sure I caught everything. Cause you know, whatever. And then like the next day I'll get that weird, like, oh, I should really watch the second and third one. I guess, too. <laughs> Because like we'll talk about it probably at some point where we do the second and third one. Cause, like they're fine movies, just like the first one's like perfect, and then they start to kind of like eh, diminishing returns a little bit, but not that much. Like they're still both good movies. It's weird <laughs> for like, a, for a Wild West sequel. Yeah, three, three like, holds up surprisingly <laughs> well. Like <laughs> considering considering what that idea looks like on paper. <laughs> yeah, three's not terrible considering what it is. So yeah. I'm like, all right, I guess. Like. <laughs> I mean, these movies all rely on the charm of their leads, right? Like, it's 100%. It's Charm City, because otherwise, this story is it's yeah. a weird one, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, do we want... Let's let's just get into that, then. Who wants to give me the plot of Back to the Future? I'm going I'm to throw it up there. Airball. Airball. Well, I, I have it written out, so if you want me to do all it, right. I'm on board. All, all right. right. Mark, what is the plot of Back to the Future? For our listeners that definitely won't have seen I've this never movie. seen this movie. <laughs> I've right? never yeah. seen this movie and before. Like, it's just, it's it's even hard to like make jokes about as we're doing it. I mean, aside from like the incest stuff, which I will bring <laughs> exactly up the motherfucker shit. Yeah, but, like that's funny, but like other than that, and that's obvious. Like at this point, that's low hanging fruit, so it's not even like that entertaining anymore. But either way, it starts with just so many clocks. Basically, uh, it opens. First of all, it opens on the classic Universal logo introduction, which is like ingrained in my DNA at this point. Like yes. I can I could see it in when I close my eyes. I can see it. But yeah, it opens on a bunch of clocks and we see like a contraption turn on like a TV and we hear about plutonium theft and dog food cans are opening and breakfast is being started. But like there's nobody home because there's a big pile of like dog food that's really nasty looking. (laughs) Marty comes in and notices the disgusting dog food and also doesn't do anything with it. (laughs) Doesn't do a goddamn thing with it. Goes immediately right to the big speaker where he's going to plug in and try his little mini guitar, which he promptly just fucking blows up. Because it's, you know, about to overload or whatever. Like, he's cranked it up so high. 
and then the phone rings, which he, you know, he has to dig himself out of. Actually, we don't see his face until after he's blown himself up either, right? Like, you don't see Michael J. Fox because he pulls himself out. And, well, because the fucking stuntman up till that point, basically. Well, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, because he's going to get blown across, like, through a wall and shit. So he does absolutely. And he pulls the Ray-Bans off, and it's, yeah, Michael J. Fox is here. Into a bunch of empty boxes that just conveniently happen to be there behind him. You know, every lab has to have just a pile of empty boxes. I'm going to venture to guess this is not the first time an explosion has happened that somebody's <laughs> been flying across that lab like that. So there's probably like ballistic boxes. You know what I mean? Like they <laughs> they're there for safety. Sure. We'll go I mean, with that. I don't know. I don't want to, I have no other explanation for They're there for safety. Like the pile of oily rags that Doc Brown also keeps in a corner in his lab 30 years prior. We'll talk about him trying to like blow them up later. That's, <laughs> that's down the road a little. I mean, there's a lot of him trying to kill them in this movie. <laughs> We'll talk about that also. But either way, uh, yeah, we're introduced to Marty as the phone rings. Uh, he picks it up real quick and talks to Doc. Doc gets really excited when he realizes that all his clocks are running late. He reminds Marty he has to bring a video camera to the Twin Pine Malls tonight at 1 o'clock in the morning. Why he's inviting a high school kid to a mall parking lot <laughs> at 1 a.m. There's some weird shit. But either way, we'll keep moving <laughs> along. Because there's lots of stuff like this to call out in this movie now. Because a lot of it's real weird when you look at it in retrospect. <laughs> Doesn't affect the fact that this movie's fucking fantastic, so like, don't worry about it. Yeah, so he takes off because it's it's Huey Lewis time. We're gonna watch Marty Skitch to school, basically, because now that he's realized that like Doc's set like his clocks twenty minutes late or something like that, and they're still in sync. And yeah, I don't know what the point of the experiment was aside from to make Marty late for fucking school, and that's what he did. Uh, so Marty skitches through downtown Hill Valley, so we get a good look at what it looks like in nineteen eighty five, and then we go to high school. Where he meets up with his girlfriend, who is not Elizabeth Shue yet, but will no, be eventually. She'll, she'll be Elizabeth Shue in the next <laughs> in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, where he runs into the principal, who calls him a slacker. We find out, has never had hair, but like that's a joke that we'll get to later. We find out Marty's going to try out for the Battle of the Bands, which is like the next scene, which he does. And Marty's pretty good at guitar. It's just he's got no fucking off switch when it turns to being Eddie Van Halen wannabe guy. Mm-hmm. And like, is way too loud and Huey Lewis who wrote the title song of the movie gets up and tells him you're just too darn loud yeah and now Marty's depressed and then that's the music video <laughs> yeah well and for the exactly for the power of love <laughs> exactly so we're yeah we've, now we've shot the music video also so we're <laughs> rocking and roll Marty and Jennifer not Elizabeth Shue I wish I remember this actress's Cla- name Claudia Wells Claudia Wells yeah it's like the only thing she did. So. Basically the only movie she's ever in. Yeah. So they, they talk about how they talk about a whole bunch of shit. There's it's exposition dump city at this point where Marty, we kind of find out about Marty and his dad being kind of a pushover and find out about the clock tower that is malfunctioning because as they're about to start making out, some lady push like interrupts them rudely. It's just like a bunch of Chekhov's like reverse Chekhov's guns being cocked here. Yeah, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what the entire movie is. Like the entire movie is a series of yep. like escalating setups that eventually start to pay off. But those payoffs are also setups for things that happen later on in the movie yeah, and yeah. eventually <laughs> later on in the franchise. Yeah. Like when, when Marty's, you know, like going around the town square on the skateboard, like that is setting up like the stuff that's going to happen with Biff in 1955. Yep. Yep. That's setting up the the thunder, the lightning storm at the, the, the climax of the movie. Like all of this is happening and you don't even realize that it's happening. That That's what that entire opening sequence is in 
like you're panning through Doc's office and you see the plutonium and you see the yep. talk about the, the Libyan terrorists and you see like a newspaper clipping about um, Doc yeah, Brown. The, yeah, exactly. The newspaper yeah, like clipping it's, about it's him all losing this, his place and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all this little stuff that isn't, it's exposition, but you don't realize it's exposition. Like the Save the Clock Tower Lady, that you realize is exposition, but everything else is either so casually revealed or so related to the characters that you don't even realize that you're being set up. It's only when you go back and look at it again that it's like, oh, this, 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 yep. this, 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 and this are all going to pay off within the next hour and a half. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like that's why it's fun rewatching this movie because it's like all you get to kind of point out all the little points where like somebody who is really good at script writing wrote a really good script and did this very well. So, yep. so Marty complains to Jennifer about not getting into the show. It's sad. Lots and lots of exposition about like the four by four and his parents and the clock tower and this, that, and the other thing. Jennifer's dad shows up just as he's about to get a kiss finally and she writes his her number her grandmother's number i guess on the back of a flyer that will come into play again later on down the line (laughs) another Uh, everything just assume that it comes into play later down the line if i talk about anything it's because i'm gonna bring it up again later (laughs) this is gonna pay off (laughs) yeah like there's anything i bring up is gonna come back and have it's just play later on in the movie like it's a perfect screenplay. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so Marty goes home. We He walks in just as the car is getting towed back in totaled. Biff is screaming about a blind spot to George. Biff bullies George about reports. Takes a, Gives him shit about his light beer that he's stealing anyway because he's a fucking prick. <laughs> yeah. um, calls Marty a butthead, which like... Can't come up with anything. I mean, it's a PG movie. <laughs> That's as good as you got is butthead. <laughs> Fuck, really? Anyway, I mean, this is this is like the king of Malifors here that keeps fucking mixing his uh, mixing his <laughs> phrases. Just, so. It's like watching f- the former president of the United States walk around. Yeah, in you, a can movie. See, you can see the fucking smoke coming oh, out of his ears. Wait, wait till we get to part two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, part two is a yeah. That's an experience, isn't it? <laughs> Marty whines about the car because that's basically all Marty does in the first half of this movie is whine. I mean, that's all like teenage like male characters do in movies in this time right it's like, it's like oh, Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. everybody's whining about something yeah, yeah either i way. wanted to go have fun and now i can't but again we meet the fam so now we're meeting his modern family and stuff like that and we're you know his older brother works at a fast food restaurant and like his sister's a slut i guess according to the 80s i don't know <laughs> well she no she wants to be a slut but her yes, mom won't let her basically. yeah right because <laughs> her mom's a, like a puritanical psychopath or something like that even though she was we're gonna find out later she's that the reason thir- she's like that it's a setup it's a setup in, <laughs> in, yeah thirstiest bitch in 1955 and like i don't did she get attempted raped in the original version of the timeline i guess not I right it. like mm. i don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> I, th- I think jo- I think George McFly, like this, the original version of George McFly, probably just turned her off of sex forever. <sighs> and they still had three kids, so like <laughs> he got there three times at least. You know what I mean? Good <laughs> for him, I guess. Either way, so now we've done all the like the the setup of like how his family's pretty dysfunctional, and like we hear the story about how Lorraine and George met. And it was bird watching, which we find out again later. <laughs> Not exactly what it was. And he he gives it away immediately because like, he's like, "What? What? Stanry? Like, I don't want to answer that question. I'm confused." <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah, pulling on his collar. Uh, yeah. So and like, I love Christopher Glover, or Chris Crispin, Crispin Glover in this yeah. one. He's great. He's so good in this. Yeah, they're all actually the whole cast is fucking excellent. That this is, if we're just gonna say that right at the top, I guess basically it's like. <laughs> Yeah, cast is fucking flawless in this movie. Also, on top of everything else that's flawless in this movie, it's, the cast is real good too. 
but but again, like at that point where Lorraine is like talking about how they first met and everything, it is ex it, like it turns into exposition. At first, it's just like yeah. this woman, like you know, reminiscing about her past and her childhood when she was, you know, the hot when she was hotter and she was thinner and like yeah. life still seemed like it had potential. And now she's this kind of bored middle aged housewife with three kids and a husband who's you know a pushover. Mm-hmm. So like she's telling you everything you need to know for the rest of the movie, but you don't know that yet. Yeah, it's just like it's just telling you more about this character but at the same time it's like it's screenwriting 101 like it is setting up so much that's about to pay off yeah absolutely so at this point the whole scene kind of fall i think this is this where she talks about they jennifer's called a couple times or something like that yeah yeah and i never would have called a boy or something i never would have called a boy yeah so like we find out she's kind of disapproving of jennifer on top of all that kind of stuff and like so marty doesn't hadn't told her his plan for the weekend to go take off with her in the car or whatever and that's why he's upset blah 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 um either way marty falls asleep when he wasn't supposed to and doc has to call him to wake him up because marty's super unreliable and doc has obviously been planning all of this for like fucking 30 years now (laughs) so like he needs him to be he knows he's asleep he must have done this at least once where marty slept through it so he knows he had to call yeah yeah i guess so i guess at this point well no because at this point that that's a weird time loop thing right like it's because there's certain things that he does that we don't know if he would have done if marty had gone back or not right so that one is is kind of a tricky paradoxical thing yeah yeah we can we can get to like what kind of time travel this is later because i'm like not the marvel time travel that's for fucking sure no 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 no, but like it's not tva yeah there's some implications that he may have gone and done this loop a couple times to get it right (laughs) if i'm reading it the way i'm reading it either way doesn't really matter it's just fun talk nerd talk (laughs) that's why we would do these movies so we can nerd talk them to death so now he's got to go to the twin pine miles and we're gonna finally get to the star of the fucking show christopher lloyd is here now yay (laughs) best part of the movie (laughs) and a movie that's got tons of great parts i fucking love christopher lloyd in this he's a goddamn treasure so because this is me i'm gonna jump in real quick and i'm gonna talk about some music real fast so up so we're about 30 minutes in now when like the the back of the van opens and the delorean rolls out with the smoke and doc brown finally shows up yep and that is the first time that you hear Alan Silvestri's score for the movie. Glorious, uh, glorious score. Yeah. <laughs> Up until then, it's been all like, it's been Eric Clapton and it's been Lindsey Buckingham and it's been Huey Lewis in the news. And it's yeah. been all of this like eighties stuff that a kid like Marty McFly would listen to. And that's kind of helping you to establish the world. Like it's, it's making this seem like it's kind of like a, a breakfast club kind of thing. Like it's yep. about a disaffected kid who's finding his way and it makes everything seem super relatable and super grounded. And then the second that the time, machine shows up it's like oh no now the movie is starting like now alan silvestri is going to start making his magic and now things are going to start getting crazy and like now that we've kind of set you up for something kind of low-key and you know character driven now we're about to get crazy yeah exactly now it's about to get turned into a fucking like steven spielberg adventure exactly (laughs) like this is where that's where it starts right there goes like it starts steven spielberg but goes full fucking looney tunes while christopher lloyd's running around like doing his (laughs) (laughs) mad scientist bit like it's full on like Looney Tunes style like vamping and stuff in the music in the score. I'm like I had the score in my notes for like later, but like yeah, the score is fucking fantastic in this. Yeah, we'll one. get back to it then, but just like Absolutely. it's that like I like once I that, really those started horns, getting into man, music, like that was oh yeah that fan that those fanfares yeah. fantastic yeah, yeah like that was something that always stood out to me when I first really started getting into film music was like yeah. how long it holds back like this movie is under two hours and you don't get to that scene until about twenty five to thirty minutes in mm-hmm. so you're like a quarter of the way in and all that you've heard so far is like Huey Lewis in the news yep. I'm just like waiting and waiting and waiting and then it's like 
once the once like the gears change and once Doc starts coming out in the plutonium suit, like that's when Alan Silvestri comes in, and that's when the movie like Shifts really gears. starts. Yeah, yeah, it, there's like a, sh- a shift in tone to the movie too. Like it becomes mm-hmm. a sci-fi like romp at this point, whereas yep. before it had become kind of like, it would have been like an '80s comedy. Now all of yeah. a sudden you're like, we are in sci-fi town now. Like listen to the score we've got. Christopher Lloyd's going crazy everywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah, and like we, we've got a DeLorean. It is a goofy looking car to begin with, and we've tricked it out to look even more ridiculous than it did before. And now, so yeah, so we get all of this exposition now about like how the, the time machine works, how time travel is going to work in this universe. Mark, like he kind of explains, you know, how the time circuitry works and like what the flux, flux capacitor, capacitor is and yeah. like how much energy it requires, which is 1.21 gigawatts. We're going to say gigawatt the whole time because <laughs> yeah. God damn it, it's the only time we get to say gigawatt. <laughs> and it's a fun word to fucking say, apparently. So. There we go. So it's back to the the gif gif argument. I think uh, absolutely stems from stems from this movie. And in like the most convenient exposition device of all time, Marty just happens to be videotaping this whole fucking thing the whole time because it's the '80s. So he's got a camcorder on his shoulder recording yeah. everything that's going on. <laughs> that same fucking maroon camcorder that everybody had. Everybody in the 80s. had. Everybody, <laughs> man. I think we had one. I think my parents had one. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> so yeah, we've got the camcorder and he's recording everything. We're talking about plutonium for like how to get to 1.21 gigawatts, and he mentions that he had to steal that plutonium from Libyan terrorists. <laughs> Which is, you know, we're starting to get some more exposition about that stuff happening. We see Einstein go through, like, skip a minute, basically. We do the the first time the time machine works, where it, to me, looks like Doc's like, if this doesn't work, I'm taking, me and this kid are going to (laughs) die. Right? Because, like, he lines it up so it's basically coming right at them. So, like, if that time machine doesn't work... It's just for drama. Maximum effect. It's the same reason he made the fucking time machine out of a DeLorean, right? Absolutely. He's just going for style at this point. But it's just, like, why you tried to kill yourself as a kid? (laughs) I don't understand what's happening here. Because he's the codified mad scientist. I was going to say, like, he's basically Rick at this point. So, like... He's used time travel to survive death, right? Like, <laughs> so, or he's about to. So, he's, he's, he's starting to have that God complex coming on shortly. <laughs> Either way, so we've done the time experiment, and now, like, Doc's getting ready to go into the future because he wants to see 30 years into the future to, like, see past his years. And we hear Einstein whine in the background, and he turns around and realizes the goddamn terrorists have found him. <laughs> and now they're going to come and, you know, the terrorists in their fucking that are a little tough to to take seriously in my dad's Volkswagen van, (laughs) which was which in retrospect is probably a conscious decision by, you know, the production to say, like, this is a PG movie. Maybe we shouldn't have like super menacing fucking like terrorists. Maybe they should be kind of bumbling and goofy. He also just wouldn't be able to get away with just having like random Middle Eastern terrorists in a movie in 2021 anymore. Like you couldn't couldn't do this setup anymore, right? Like it wouldn't work this way. You say that, but Wonder Woman 1984 came out like six months ago and did exactly that. (laughs) I was gonna say you can't do that and succeed as a film in 2021. So... Thank you. you I was I was just like, Wonder Woman just did this, god damn it. I know one of these two pedantic fuckers is gonna get me on that. God damn it. I know it. And that was set in the eighties too, like the year before this movie set. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, he he tries to kill them, but it ends up working, so everything's great. We're reloading plutonium and doing plutonium things when the Libyans show up. I, I love that Doc has explained to Marty that he basically gave them stolen pinball parts. <laughs> I was like, that's great. But either way, the Libyans drive up. And kill Doc Brown, apparently. Marty screams no, and then 
gets like identified and he dives into the DeLorean and races away and we have a chase that goes on as all this nonsense is going on. Marty accidentally turns the time circuits and gear on, which doc had set last to the day that he created the time machine in 1955. So as he's driving away, time circuits are on, he hits 88 all of a sudden, boom, we go through, we watch the Libyans crash and suddenly Marty's in a fucking field and crashes into a barn because we're in 1955 now. <laughs> uh, I love this fucking sequence. This is like the best shit ever. Like as a like a film dork or whatever. Um, watching the whole sequence from him landing in that fucking farm through like getting to the diner is maybe yeah. like the and best sequence like then, yeah. almost ever in film kind of thing. Like because he it's all him, right? Like it's all his expressions telling you everything oh, yeah. he sells what's going it 100%. on. And he's just like 100% on point. I don't know. That's probably why they fired the other guy because this like, notoriously they had somebody else yeah, it was in Eric, this role. Eric Stoltz, they, they actually started filming it with him uh, and then they were like, no. Well, they they wanted Michael J. Fox. They couldn't get him because he was doing Family Ties and he wasn't yeah. available. And then they, they cast Eric Stoltz. They started filming it with Eric Stoltz and then they were like, yeah, this fucking isn't working and Zemeckis was like, we got to figure out how to make it work with Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So Michael J. Fox is like filming Family Matter or Family Ties, Family Ties during yeah. the day and then would go like fucking film Back to the Future in the evenings. Like he was doing double duty. I can't even imagine this. I've seen the footage of with, of it with the other with guy Stoltz, that's on the yeah. DVD and stuff. And I'm like, it's not even doesn't like, work. it doesn't even feel the same uh, like movie. Like he makes it magic. Like Michael J. Yeah, Fox like, is just like that guy, right? So he, yeah, he, he sells it. So it hard. couldn't work with anybody else, I don't think. So and all the Eric Stoltz stuff is like he's styled differently from Michael J. Fox's Marty. He's kind of giving a more dramatic, more like heartrending performance. But like he's wearing all black. His hair is darkened. Like it looks like they're trying to make a different kind of movie. With trying him to skew the, it like, more. They're trying to make like a sci-fi. serious drama. Yeah. yeah. And then Michael J. Fox comes in and he's you know like lighthearted and like you know tripping on it like you know tripping on over his own feet and like like he can handle all this comedic stuff. Whereas Eric Stoltz, who is a very good actor, like they're making a very different movie. With yeah, him absolutely. And, and I don't know if they were intending to do that or if they kind of re-centered things around Michael J. Fox's skills once he became available. But either way, just on the little footage that we've seen, I don't think this movie would have had the impact that it no. did unless you revolve it around Michael J. Fox's established comedic persona. Yeah. And what, yeah, I would have felt way different with anybody else in the lead at this point. Because, like, yeah. Either way. Like, Eric Stoltz is giving the Breakfast Club, like, version <laughs> yeah. of Back to the Future, whereas Michael J. Fox is giving yeah, the, the Back to the Future version of Back to the Future. Yeah. So either way, Marty crashes the fucking <laughs> into the barn. And like the farmer comes out, he's actually driven through one of the pines or he t- no, he does that on the escape on the way out. Yeah. He drives through one of the pines. <laughs> Sorry. But the old man comes out with his family and like the kid points out that like that fucking DeLorean looks like the spaceship on his like sales from the crypt sci-fi kind of like uh, comic book. And which I'm wondering if that's a little anachronistic for the fifties. Like if you'd be reading like EC kind of stuff, is that maybe uh, that's about right? Yeah. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Era, yeah doesn't really matter either way. Yeah, so he realized... And then, so the, the old man's shooting at Marty, and Marty's getting out and bumbling around, but he, they're calling him a space alien and mutant and shit like that, because, like, the kid tells him that, like, he's already adapted to human form and whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucking fantastic stuff. So Marty gets in the DeLorean, fucking takes off from there, runs over the pine, so now everything's going to be the lone pine ball yeah. uh, when we get back to the 80s later. In, like, the, the like, most legendary, like, most cited Easter egg of all time kind of Best thing. Best brick joke, like, of all time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I like the original brick joke, almost. Yeah. 
So either way, he drives off. He gets out, or because he drives home, technically. Like, he go, drives back to where his family lives in 1985 to find a development. Basically, yeah, they're so just breaking ground. has not been, yeah, not been built yet. The, the ground hasn't even broken on his house yet. He realizes he's got a problem. He scares the shit out of some old people on the street. <laughs> yeah. He gets into the DeLorean. The DeLorean will not start because these fucking cars were pieces of shit, just in case anybody thinks they were cool. <laughs> uh, notoriously unreliable cars. <laughs> also, Doc fucking, like, made it work, make, made it electric. Yeah, well. and, and like also Doc's been fucking with Editors. us, so Connolly knows what he did. And yeah. like he's apparently not the best inventor of all time. So like the yeah. fact that this thing works is a minor miracle. Good concept, man. But <laughs> yeah, not not exactly a uh, finished product kind of guy. Not working for Apple on the <laughs> not so great design. on the fabrication. Yeah, maybe he needs to work on his industrial design skills a little bit. Is what we're trying <laughs> to get at here. Either way, Marty now realizes like he's proper fucked, so he's got to hide the car and hike his way into town. And we get the Enter Sandman sequence which is like iconic in film Not enter sandman yeah that'd be a very different redo mr sandman mr sandman that would be like sandman, that's good. Back to the future today and he goes back to yes. 1991 and <laughs> guess what somebody should probably do that but they're never going to be able to because robert zemeckis won't let them as he shouldn't as he should not no this movie is just leave it alone I don't want to live through a fucking remake of this movie. I had to live through a remake of Ghostbusters, and that was traumatic enough for me. So <laughs> either way. Yeah, so he walks into town and is just, like, astounded at, like, 19... Like, I, what are you thinking if you're him at this point? Like, am I having the worst acid flashback of fucking history? <laughs> like, what did I take? What's happening? Because all the stuff that we saw on his tour of Hill Valley in 1985, in the beginning of the movie, he's now seeing again. We see a Texaco that's not just like a self-serve station. The full fleet of like nine guys comes out and like puts air in his tires and cleans the fucking windshield and the whole bit. And the records are like classics that I can't even remember the names of at this point because it's like Bing Crosby and stuff like that. And the black folks are like one step above home house servants. <laughs> barely, yeah. Like there's, there's that. And it's, instead of a, an aerobic studio, there's a diner like kind of yeah. thing. Like all that stuff's been like, it's all different now, right? So he almost gets hit by a car, which is going to be a running theme in this movie with him <laughs> almost getting fucking smacked by cars. And he ends up in the diner, which, because he's looking for a phone, I guess. Like, well, My question would be like, if you sent a kid from now back to 1955, what would they do? <laughs> Their phone wouldn't be working. They'd be like, what's a, what's a phone book? They had no concept of phone book. You know what I mean? Fucking like our, rotary dial. <laughs> our generation is the last generation to be able to survive in the 50s is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> We at least have some passing familiarity with all this old shit. Be like, oh, yeah, I kind of understand all this crap works, but oh, he's making a call. He goes back there, realizes he's got to check the phone book for where Doc Brown lives in 1955 because he's still alive or is alive. I don't know how to say it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> he is alive at this exists. point in time. He exists, he exists. in he's 1955. Fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least old enough to cognize what's going on because, like, a, a lot of other people that Marty knows in Hill Valley or we were about to meet obviously aren't as like together as adults yet so either way yeah he makes the call and like his watch beeps and the old man who runs the store hears the watch beeping and he comes out and is like are you gonna order something and because he's trying to find he just wants to get the address of doc's house and get the fuck out of there he gets completely sidetracked gets a coffee ends up sitting next to his dad (laughs) biff comes in Bullies. And they re and they redo the kitchen scene from 1985 exactly. Yeah. It's exactly verbatim the fucking scene we just watched in 1985. Hello, McFly. So this has been going on for 30 <laughs> years, and that fucking in sync turn, like just 
That's yeah, movie yes. magic. Like you, That's you can't so do that with CGI. That is just like Perfect. old, old fashioned. Just great, great acting. Just good. Yeah, it's so quality. So they both turn and sink, and like Biff walks in. We get that exact scene. And he's been bullying fucking poor George McFly for like 50 <laughs> for three <years>. decades. <laughs> it's just a <fucking laughs> miserable prick. Uh, he's lucky he didn't get shot at some point. This is the America, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, that nerd's going to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's what yeah. happens in the 2021 version <laughs> yeah, of fucking yeah. Back to the Future, George right? George fucking like, blows him away. Yeah, George, yeah, George, <laughs> George, George, does, George does a fucking line. yeah, George does a fucking school shooting and kills his bullies and be, ends up in I jail. I shouldn't be fucking laughing at this, but here we are. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. <sighs> George, yeah. So, George gets bullied by Biff. Biff takes off. The, the black guy who's sweeping the floor is walking past and decides that this is the point where he's got to tell George to fucking man up <laughs> and stand up for himself. And this is where Marty tells him that he's going to be mayor. And so the guy, Goldie Wilson. Board, Goldie Wilson decides that, yeah, that's a great idea. He's going to be mayor. And we get the great joke about like, you know, did Marty McFly just create the civil rights movement by giving this young black man <laughs> political aspirations? Possibly. Maybe. He's also going to, he's going to create rock and roll at the end of the movie too. So we'll see how this <laughs> Yeah, so he gives the mayor his political aspirations, and as the mayor's doing his, like, little vamping bit, and, like, the shop owner is wickedly racist to him. Yeah, (laughs) very much so. (laughs) Marty goes to look for his dad, who is just the weaseliest little fucker alive, and has, like, (laughs) taken off at this point. Marty gives chase, finds his bike on the street, realizes, looks up, sees a girl half-dressed, Realizes his dad is a peeping Tom, not <laughs> watching birds. George falls out of the tree, and instead of getting hit himself, Marty saves him and gets hit and gets knocked unconscious as his grandfather, I guess, is yelling about the damn kids who keep jumping out in front of his fucking car. Yeah. What? How many times has this happened, Grandpa? <laughs> well, uh, why is Lorraine dressing with her fucking windows wide open? Like, she's just, begging, I mean, like, the, I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Close your blinds. I'm girl. pretty sure this, this version of Lorraine, I'm pretty sure she's doing this. She's doing this shit on purpose, right? Yeah. Like, she <laughs> loves to drive the boys crazy. She yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, like, and like, just, yeah, Leah Thompson. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> that shit works for me. Either way. So, yeah, Marty wakes up and it starts talking to his mom. And I think at, at first we're supposed to believe he thinks he's back in 1985 and things are back to normal. But when the lights come on, he realizes, nope, this is my mom at 17 or 18. And I'm it not talking have to my a mom. smoker's cough yet. Yeah, doesn't have emphysema <laughs> and isn't an alcoholic and is because the first thing he says, you're so thin. So she's obviously like 20 pounds, 30 fucking pounds lighter than she was or whatever. <laughs> and she is into his fucking action. Like from the goddamn drop of the hat. She wants that, you know, Michael J. Fox. Things get real uncomfortable and real incesty real quick. Like immediately she's like on his zero to sixty. Yeah. She is in his lap like three seconds after he wakes up. She's already taking his pants off. Pants are gone. (laughs) She's calling him Calvin because she's been reading his underwear because he's wearing Calvin Klein underwear, which is just I guess a thing people do. At this point, like her mom yells upstairs and it's weird because she flings her his pants at him and it's like put your pants on like maybe did she, is it implied she took his pants off oh yeah 100%. she definitely took his pants off <laughs> she yeah but like when she got him upstairs that's so fucking all right this everything's weird man you know like <laughs> gets real motherfuckery real quick it's a real and it's kind of rapey too you know like there's a lot of rapey shit in this movie i don't know what's going on here anyway so he goes downstairs and he gets to meet his fucking 
family. Like he gets to meet his grandparents in the like. This is one of those scenes that makes me think about this. Like, have you ever imagined like going back? Like, because yeah. you've seen this movie, you go like, what the what the fuck would that be like? You know what I mean? Sitting down with like my grandpa at thirty, you know, your, yeah, and your uncles and oh, aunts and shit, and that that was the genesis of the whole movie. Like, Bob Gale, the co-writer and co-producer, went to his parents' house and was going through his dad's old high school yearbooks and was like, I wonder if I would have been friends with my dad if I knew him when he was in high school. And That's that nice. was just like the light bulb went off, and mm-hmm. then. He had his billion dollar idea. There you go. Good fuck. I mean, yeah, I guess that's a billion dollar idea. This movie, <laughs> Jesus Christ. They keep fucking, they just resold me a 4K version of it. So they, <laughs> me too. they make their fucking money on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're in there and like, they're super excited about the rolling TV. That's like, that's the height of what's going on. <laughs> the, the older brother from the Wonder Years. Yeah. <laughs> it gets really confused when Marty talks about reruns and having two TVs. <laughs> and everybody's super confused about Marty's vest that looks like a life preserver but is just like a fashion yeah. thing like a puffy vest that we all own like i have two of those fucking things <laughs> so like we all own those now uh we lived through the 90s that shit was everywhere anyway yeah. yeah so he gets really freaked out when you know uh lorraine is like he should stay here because he's injured and i want to jump his fucking bones and like grabs his leg and he's like hey no fuck this i gotta get out of here this is too weird for me <laughs> i'm gone i gotta go find doc brown at least he's he won't try and I don't know what this is. Some kind of weird Oedipal rape thing. I need to get out. Mom Boner, this is weird. Yeah, I got to go. He's out. He's fucking gone. So he leaves real quick and heads over to like Doc Brown and like, man, Christopher Lloyd, just fucking treasure. Just (laughs) so good. Because he knocks on the door and Christopher Lloyd answers. He's wearing the mind reading contraption. It looks like something out of 60 Star Trek, but like, twice as big as it would have been on 60 star trek it's like it doesn't fit through the door frame it's so fucking big pulls marty in puts a suction cup on his head and starts asking him about like the youth auxiliary and stuff like that trying to psychically read his brain through electrical patterns or whatever and he doesn't because marty tells him he's from the future and doc gets really upset that his contraption doesn't work (laughs) just priorities Uh, you know So, so good so good. So Marty's trying to convince him that he's from the future. He tells him that the president is Ronald Reagan. Fucking Doc Brown laughs at him because Ronald Reagan's an actor in 1955. And again, in the 2021 version of this movie, you tell yeah. him, yeah, he goes back to 91. It says Donald Trump was was just president. And everybody fucking laughs at you. It's the same fucking joke. You know what I mean? Like, this shit never changes. This shit never changes. It was just scarier this time than it was, I think. Yeah. Anyway, maybe not by much, but like, it was fucking yeah, so finally he convinces Doc that it's he actually is from the future by telling him the story that Doc told him earlier about falling off of a toilet while trying to hang a clock and coming up with the idea for the flux capacitor. Doc hasn't told anybody that and still has the fresh head wound on his head to prove it, and that's kind of what brings him in. So we start getting, again, it's like now we're explaining the situation. It's lots of exposition as everybody gets the problem explained to them, <laughs> and we make our next like kind of step. So, yeah, he basically, is this where he takes him over to, like, yeah, he takes him to the car to, like, yeah, look the at the car. Or, but he also, I think he also gives him the note that Jennifer wrote him that's on the time thing. Well, so so he's already shown him the photograph of his family where his, his brother's head is about cut the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hair. it's a bad photographic forgery. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right. So Marty drags Doc out to the car, shows him the flux capacitor. Doc is super excited. He invented something that works. They sneak the car back to the lab, and Marty hooks up the camcorder, which he conveniently recorded everything on. We find out about 1.21 gigawatts in 1955 is going to be 
a mild problem. <laughs> Great Scott is yelled, and what the hell is a gigawatt is yelled at one point. There's so many fucking good lines in like <laughs> just that two of them vamping back and Go forth. Man, it's yeah. like they're fantastic shit. <laughs> Either way, and then this is where he pulls out the flyer, says, "I got to get home. Yeah, I got yeah. a girl. I got a girl. Yeah, so I've got a girl." Yeah, and yeah, exactly right. So he tells him like, we're, "We got to do this thing. It's in a week where the lightning will strike. We know where it is. We can plan it so that we can direct the fucking." lightning into the flux capacitor and send you back to 1985 marty's excited he gets to hang out for a week in the 50s doc's like fuck that you can't go fucking hanging out with you ruin the timeline you idiot and marty's like oh shit. fuck me <laughs> oh shit I may have made a mistake fucked up, man. so i butterfly effect the shit out so, of my yeah. family and then they pull the and then they pull the photo back out and his brother's entire head is gone. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you can see how it's like you saw the photo early on when it was normal. You saw it with his brother's hair missing. Now you see it with his whole head missing. Well, you don't like, see it with his brother's hair missing. That's what I noticed when I was just rewatching it. Doc says, he's like, oh, it's a terrible fucking forgery. Your your brother's hair is missing. Hair is and Marty out, just yeah. completely like washes past it because he just grabs. He's like, you got to believe me. And they continue on. It's not till like this part where he's like, oh, shit. Let me I see done the photo. fucked up. I fucked up and I'm wiping me and my family out of existence, basically. Okay, but here's my problem with that. Presumably one of the parents took the picture and the parents also don't exist in the same way in the future if Marty fucked things up. And so, so, so (laughs) as a rebuttal, like the, the photo is going in like order of the kids. So presumably like as long, the parents have the longest amount of time to meet, like they have up until that last second when Marty's playing the guitar yeah. That like the photos can still exist in some form or fashion. So like presumably like tracing this a lot, and I think about this stuff way too much. Like tra- <laughs> going down that logic hole, like the photo would have eventually vanished, but Marty wouldn't have been around to see that because Marty was vanishing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Marty was yeah. going to go, and then the photo would go, okay. and then we'll we'll get back to it. But then like the photo comes back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. But but we've got a we've got like another hour of movie before. Oh, we got so much we movie do. left. <laughs> we have so much movie left before we we get to that four hour episode of Dance Robot Dance. Yeah, absolutely. So either way, <laughs> but actually, like honestly, the plot kind of just bounces off from here. Well, like, just like now 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 the plot has actually started. Like as soon yeah. as Doc sees the photograph, like now that we're like we're thirty minutes into the movie when the actual movie starts, and it's not yeah. just and we're, we're an hour in when up. we finally know what the and stakes like, are and like yeah, what the like, actual plot is. Like, yeah, now we have stakes. Marty is going to vanish. Now we have a goal. We have to make this lightning get into this this flux capacitor to make the one point twenty one gigawatts. Like, and now everything just like fit. And now you start paying off everything yeah but yeah. more importantly marty needs to fix the fucking future so it still exists for him to go back to it yeah so now doc and marty realize like they got to go find george and like get this fucking ship back or you know this they got to the george get his dick wet basically basically yeah they got to wingman <laughs> him in you know what i mean and like it's gonna be a bit of a fucking challenge because george is not you know George is a fucking, he's a fixer-upper. Let's just put it that George way. would love this podcast. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, George is one of us. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. So there's that. Um, we get a scene where he's getting, like, just the shit kicked out of him by some people who have taped the kick me sign to his back. Just the most 50s nerd horse shit ever. It's fantastic. Marty and, Do- I love Doc. What does your mom ever see in this kid? Like, all this shit. <laughs> so good. Christopher Lloyd perfect so either way this scene basically proves like yeah lorraine is completely head over heels for 
Marty because just splooshing everywhere for just, her. She's son. basically and like and I you, you just ruined my jokes. I was gonna say by the time the end of the the chase scene is done, she's she could drown everybody in the city with her frothing loins. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get to that eventually. But either way, uh, yeah, she walks by and she's like super thirsty for Marty, and she says it basically in front of Doc, and Doc's like, oh. Like, it's worse than I thought it was. So now we got to get, like, George on board with... Florence Nightingale syndrome. Yeah, we get the Florence Nightingale joke and all that good stuff happens. So now we've got to force George and Lorraine to interact. So Marty goes to lunch. He finds out that his dad writes sci-fi on the side, which he had no idea about because who talks to your parents? And George probably hasn't touched any of that shit since then. He wants to read it and all this other stuff. And then he's trying to convince him to go ask Lorraine out to the enchantment under the sea dance that we've already heard about from the earlier future yeah. yep in the future and oh boy or present or whatever <laughs> whatever exactly it's super confusing either way so as we're, we're watching this happen he's like trying to get george to go ask lorraine out and george's like no she wants she'd probably rather go out with biff who's over there sexually harassing her in the middle of the fucking cafeteria marty and like has just got fucking shit for brains or just reacts <laughs> on instinct or whatever immediately goes over and like gets in biff's face Biff is, again, fucking nine times bigger than him, but he still does enough hero horse shit that, like, Strickland gets involved again and stops Biff from just fucking destroying Marty in the middle of the goddamn cafeteria. But this also further reinforces, you know, Lorraine is really smitten with Marty, who's, you know, now he's defended her honor. So it's we're down another step for this shit. He like again, shit Weasley, Weasley motherfucker George McFly takes off again on Marty. <laughs> Marty has to chase him down again. This every time just takes <laughs> off. Can't oh, so annoying. Either way, Marty chases him down and he tells him that no force on earth is going to make him ask Lorraine out, which Marty realizes that this is a sci-fi nerd, and I have 30 years of sci-fi knowledge that I can use on him. <laughs> so he gets dressed up in a rad suit. Hooks his dad up to some headphones that's playing Van Halen, yeah. which, I mean, dope fucking record choices. I'll give him fucking props for that Van Halen record. It's a good it's a, record. It's Eruption, isn't it? It's Eruption, yeah. It's it. a fucking good record. Anyway. I, th- I think it's just Eddie soloing, like, because I, no, I, I remember reading that. You hear Alex it, doing the fucking talk. Is it okay? Because, them, I, yeah. like, I remember reading that, like, they asked for permission to use Van Halen, and Van Halen, like, and, like, David Lee Roth or someone said, or their agent said no. So then Eddie just showed up at the studio one day and was like, I got my guitar. I'll play you something. I would totally <laughs> believe that happened. Well, there's like, there's a Tom pattern getting played in the background. So I figured it was both of them. Like I heard drums either way. He's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan in his rad suit. And he <laughs> threatens George McFly with brain melting. If he doesn't ask Lorraine out the next day. And somewhere he gets a, like a fucking voice modulator as well. Apparently. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing at this point. Either way, we cut to the next morning where, Marty's trying, just impossibly trying to open a fucking Pepsi. The poor kid doesn't understand about bottle openers. I mean, I know what a bottle opener is. It's 2021. So, like, what's wrong with this kid? Either way, George runs up, like, all disheveled, having seen an alien the day before and acting exactly like what you would expect somebody who saw an alien the day before to act like as they run up to you screaming about seeing an alien the day before. And he opens Marty's Pepsi and explains to Marty that Darth Vader came down and 
told him to ask Lorraine out, and Marty's like, all right, listen, just shut the fuck up about the alien shit, though, right? <laughs> You're never getting laid if you talk about fucking aliens to girls. It's not happening. And he sends George into the diner to talk to Lorraine, <laughs> and he says, instead of that it's the destiny to meet, he says density. density. Multiple times. Lorraine looks at him like he's got no fucking, she's got no fucking clue what he's talking about, and then Biff walks in, and like super fucking fun times explodes into this thing he threatens george marty trips him marty fucking legit stands up to him this time because he fucking sucker punches him knocks him out (laughs) pushes his buddies out and runs off creates the skateboard in 1955 (laughs) and then takes off and we have a car chase where biff full-on attempts vehicular manslaughter on Marty McFly a couple times <laughs> but Marty who's just you know the clever 80s kid with his skate like skateboard tricks and he's like the proto Tony Hawk I guess there's just no police in fucking Hill Valley apparently <laughs> well no because they were they probably never busy. show up they were busy with the black folks <laughs> yeah <laughs> the white folks can do whatever they want it's cool yeah, right fine in the included, town square. included attempted rape and vehicular manslaughter yeah. this guy's a criminal like hardcore <laughs> anyway Marty fucking ends up like tricking them into driving into a fucking just big pile of shit, basically yeah. like a truck full of the shit. Truck this, which will just become a thing that yeah. just keeps happening. It happening. We'll, we'll we'll do the rest of the movies now. Yeah. At this point, we've, we've we've settled on this one. Let's just roll. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go back to the shit thing a lot, but yeah. So he's he's now Biff is like he's ready to kill this fucking kid that he's never seen before, <laughs> and also now now Lorraine is fucking frothing. <laughs> <laughs> Like she yeah. is you ready for the business. Drown a fucking toddler in her panties at this toddler? point. Toddler? She drown you in her fucking <laughs> panties at this point. Toddler. You I mean you're not much bigger than a toddler tip, but like <laughs> you can drown me in her panties at this point. Let's just put it that way. Right? I'm a big motherfucker. You can drown me there. She is excited about what's going on. And all I mean all the power to her. He's cute and he's doing goofy shit, so there you go. Except, you know, he's her fucking yeah, son. It, there, yeah, there's the whole there's that, you know, there's yeah, that the minor detail. <laughs> either way Lorraine's a danger slut I guess at this point so that's where we're at <laughs> Marty goes back to Docs who's watching himself die the first time on camcorder or is about to watch himself die this is the first time Marty tries to tell Doc about like him getting shot at the beginning of the movie and Doc freaks out about the timeline can't know too much we do a demo of the plan about how Marty's going to escape so we have a general idea of what's actually going to happen in the finale because they're always just telling us exactly what's going to happen later on in the movie, yeah. in this movie. For and some it's reason. still surprising. And it's like, so great. It's, it's still, still works. It's still suspenseful. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> every, absolutely. Every scene is like, here's what's about to happen in the rest of this movie. And it happens. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. It was amazing. <laughs> it's a magic trick. <laughs> this, it really is. Honestly, this movie is just a big magic trick. It's fantastic. Like, how do you get an incest plot this good to be in a classic movie <laughs> that people are still talking about 30 years later? It's so how weird. How do you approve this fucking Yeah, fuck. Like, how did the script get through anybody's approval? Yeah. It's just, you know, either way. Disney passed on it for that reason. They pitched it to Disney, and Disney was like, that's, no. That's not surprising. I can explain it. It's the 80s. They were all on cocaine. There's just cocaine as far as the eye can see at this point, <laughs> I would imagine. So that has to be it, right? I don't know. I was three when this movie was produced, so <laughs> it's hard to say. Oh, sorry. Either way, Lorraine shows up and at Doc's place, and like at this point, just to like nail the fucking point home that she is desperately thirsty for marty at this point doc realizes like oh fuck he he made it even worse this <laughs> dumb fucking kid like just what am i throwing gonna do? the best reactions in the yeah. back of that oh scene. my god doc is just, he is 
just kills him. Looming is yeah. a fucking treasure for his fucking facial reactions in this movie. <laughs> he is the goddamn best. Like just every every facial reaction is perfect. He's so good in this. So he realizes at this point they're fucked. They cook up the worst fucking plan I've ever heard of to get two people falling in love. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and so Marty decides that he's going to force himself, pretend to force himself on Lorraine. He's so the pretend, He's going to pretend rape his mom <sighs> is the fucking plan. And George is going to rescue him. And I'm just like, <laughs> let's call it what it is. here. I don't know what is happening anymore. <laughs> the script, But either way, that's the plan we're going with. It takes him a minute to convince George that this is a good idea. George never brings up that like anything about it and he's completely cool with winning a girl this way so that's tells us a lot about <laughs> his character also and, yeah. yeah but again it works out in the end like he he genuinely earns Lorraine's love in yeah the he end. gets there genuinely even though he's like the plan is duplicitous either it's, way it's not under false pretenses but. yeah either way so th- that's fine and we kind of we kind of smash cut to the dance right like he's like he's gonna take Lorraine to the dance and that's where all this is gonna happen so we cut to the dance and like the bunch of black dudes who are in the band because the only people who could be musicians in 1955 were a bunch of black guys yep. and they're playing the dance so we cut to them playing and then we cut outside to actually cut to George dancing just horrifically for- <laughs> <laughs> by himself in his white tux. Yeah. I mean, the worst Roger Moore tux I've seen in a long time <laughs> since Roger Moore, actually. <laughs> so there you go. Rest in peace, sir. And then, uh, yeah, we go outside where Marty is driving up in Doc's Cadillac, I think, and like parks his, parks the car and asks Lorraine if she wants to park. And instead of her being a super prude like he was expecting her to be because of what his mother ends up being, <laughs> she turns out she's a super into like getting down in the car before they go and hang out and dance. Yeah. She whips out the bottle of fucking whiskey, starts taking swigs. He's like, what the fuck? And then she starts smoking. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> She drops, she brings out like some fucking E for them to drop. And then yeah, like, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm like, I'm waiting for the jazz cigarettes to come out and stuff. And I'm like, come on, this Lorraine's a fucking happening lady. Wacky, let's wacky tobacco. Let's rock it. Well, you know what the, that's what the band was doing. Oh yeah. No, they were hotboxing the shit out of that you fucking fucking play for a bunch of white kids. It'd be the most boring gig. Everybody's like, oh fuck, these boring fucking white toast assholes. Fuck. <laughs> well, and you like, so it's this a paid is gig, like, I guess, but like, ugh, Jesus. it's just like this tiny little bit of unnecessary characterization that the band gets. But in the scene that comes up, when you hear the music they're listening to in their car, they're listening to like, like some hard bop, like some serious, yeah. like free yeah, jazz, yeah, yeah, yeah. like free jazz, that's yeah. the stuff that they're into. They're yep. just doing this to pay the it's bills. Like, but pay they, like, yep, like, absolutely. And, like you don't need that level of detail about the band, but this movie grants it to them. And absolutely. like, because they're, they're like a part of this history and a part of this story and you know spoilers they come back for back to the future part two and we get to do all this all over again but like it's generous to a degree it doesn't need to be and to a degree that an hour and 55 minute long movie that does all of this stuff that we've already said and we've still got a half hour left to go yeah it shouldn't be able to do that but it's smart and intelligent enough to just give them like two seconds of music to let you know everything you need to know about these guys steven i'm gonna steal a joke from another 1984 comedy classic I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. I need to hand you a baby Ruth. <laughs> I should be handing you a baby Ruth right now, but we are virtual and I can't do it. I but virtually accept the baby There Ruth. you go. All right. All right. So we, yeah, so we're at the dance. Now at this point, Lorraine has flung herself at Marty because she's just like ready to go. They stop when she realizes that it's kind of like kissing her brother is a little weird. It's just awkward enough that when Biff pulls Marty out, Marty looks a little relieved to see Biff. <laughs> Weird. Either way, so Biff flings Marty at his boys who 
knock him out and drag him away. And he just has committed to full on raping Lorraine at this point. So that's yep, straight what's going to happen there. Uh, so he sends his boys off who grab Marty and fling him into the back of the closest open trunk, which was a stupid fucking idea on their part, because that <laughs> happens to be the trunk where there's six guys who are smoking dope and trying to listen to better music than they're playing that night <laughs> and are already upset with all these fucking honky white kids. So... <laughs> Now they're fucking with their car, so we're going to get out and beat the shit out of these dumb white kids. One of them's wearing 3D glasses, like a goof. Anyway. <laughs> One of them's fucking Billy Zane. But, hey, Billy Zane's in It's craziness. 1985. <laughs> what are you do? So, yeah, they chase the Biff's kids off. Biff's kids. Biff's friends off. <laughs> gang, let's say. Gang basically. off. We'll say gang, yeah. And then they realize that like Marty's been locked into the trunk, and for some reason, the keys are in the trunk with them, even though they were all in the car, smoking <laughs> dope, one. listening to the radio. So I don't understand that one, but yeah. either way, it's just so that they can... Jimmy, he, The guy who has to jimmy the goddamn door open, like that open in a minute, can cut his hand so that Marty has to play with them. It's all... Yeah. It all, it all pays off. Even if it doesn't make sense, it, it makes yeah. sense in the end because something cool happens. It's like the only thing that's a little bit fucking hinky in terms of plot. <laughs> Either way, George finally faces his destiny, realizes it's Biff in the car with a crying Lorraine. So, like, how is she so cool with him being around in 1985 when, like, he full-on attempted rape here? Like, this, it's, it's just some questions I have about Well, because, well he didn't. It, in in the original 1985, she's in there half. crying. She's been sitting in there for five minutes. He, well, I don't want that motherfucker working in my house. Let's just put it that way. No, but, but in the so there you go. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, in the the in the revised future, George yeah. beating the shit out of him, notwithstanding. I yeah, still that's true. That in the, yes, in the revised future, I don't think that fucking Lorraine they'd be, be cool they'd be on good terms. Fucking, yeah, Biff yeah. fucking uh, polishing her their car. Yeah, probably not. But either way. We can talk about that later. <laughs> Maybe it's a power thing. Maybe she like enjoys seeing him she, so emasculated. She does seem to be that. into some of the danger shit at this point too. <laughs> it's you know? true. Like she's kind of into some of this stuff. So oh, yeah, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Whatever. George fails to hit Biff, and Biff grabs his arm. He is enraged when Biff shoves Lorraine down, and he fucking like just Shoryukens Biff into next fucking week. Gives him the big <laughs> old uppercut. Spins That's an right Indiana around. Jones punch. Yeah, like. <laughs> and it snaps like Indiana Jones punches do too. Because I just watched Raiders in 4K, and the sound effect was basically the same sound effect. It's that yeah. that whip snap. Oh, that, crack. That's the best sound effect. Indiana Jones punching somebody. Yeah, goddamn right it is. Either way, he's knocked Biff clean in the next fucking week. Everybody is now really excited about George McFly because he's just felony assaulted another student. It's good times. Self defense. It's self defense, I guess. Biff yeah, that's true. Coming. But either way, Marty realizes that, like, he looks at the, the picture and realizes his dad did good, but he looks at the picture and realizes there's still a problem, and he takes off to solve that problem. We cut the doc for half a second, who realizes Marty's starting to be a little late, but, you know, we cut back to the thing, and we're with the band, who've cut their hand, and Marty's like, somebody's got to play. Good thing I'm a really, really good guitar player. Yeah. And he's playing the school remember, dance. I remember remember when we set that up, like, an hour and a half ago? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Hard cut to Marty playing Earth Angel with the band. So, yeah. yeah. Earth Angel, we get to the disappearing Marty scene, even with the janky. And that, even in 4K, they didn't clean that cut up. I was surprised that that, yeah. like, that arm special little, effect is still... Weak still there and weak but yeah we get to the scene where george and lorraine are dancing and george hasn't kissed lorraine yet so lorraine doesn't and that's the key right lorraine when they kiss that's when she knew and that's what the, she already said the yeah, she told line. us that she <laughs> told us this shit like so we we're didn't waiting know for she was kiss. setting this up but she set it up exactly so we're waiting for this kiss to happen some 
the most hideous troll ginger boy I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And I'm sorry if that's you, but Jesus Christ, dude, like, <laughs> wow. Smashing the face with an ugly stick and fucking just George finally fucking mans up, though. And because Mar- Marty's it, it, we're doing the panic Alan Silvestri score. It, everything's going frenetic as Marty's fading out of existence. And Lorraine's calling to George and he's fucking up the gaming disappearing. He's fucking up his playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. But George mans up, pushes the just disgusting troll ginger boy out of the way, <laughs> kisses Lorraine, Marty back up like a rocket playing Earth Angel just perfectly. Wait, are you just saying that Marty got up like a rocket watching his mom get kissed <laughs> by his dad? Hey, you didn't call phrasing, so I get away with that, I guess. Sigmund Freud would have loved this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would have loved this podcast, too. So like, what is that? Either way. Got a minor edible complex. Minor. <laughs> Marty's back 100%. His parents are together. They've kissed everything. He looks at the picture. The picture is back. His We watch his sister and brother reappear. And then the the guy whose hand is cut, the singer from the band, is like, dude, that was really great. Uh, let's do another one. Let's do one that's a little bit more fun. And Marty plays Johnny Be Good for them. Starts another time loop. Yeah, starts another weird recursive loop that we can't talk <laughs> about where Marty McFly, <laughs> a white boy, invents rock and roll in 1955. Yeah. Does, uh, but, but technically, Chuck Berry still invented still it the because inventor? Marty wouldn't have known it without Chuck. It's, like a, it's a terrible loop, right? Where it's like Chuck it Berry is, like, influenced it's one of those Marty. You can talk about it forever because it just keeps eating its own tail. Exactly. Which is time travel. Time travel. Awesome. <laughs> so either way, Marty plays Johnny Be Good. We like literally his cousin calls Chuck Berry and like gives him the song. Like they plays him the song over the phone. Marty goes a little bit over the top with his Van Halen wannabe stylings and freaks everybody out. But he tells them all that like their kids will love it. Probably not because like his fucking friends didn't seem too cool with it. And that's their <laughs> kids. Right. So. He might have to wait till grunge, I think, to hit the, his style really well, which he's the right age for, really. Like, by the time he hits his career, it'll be like 1991. Simon, you know, yeah. that sloppy guitar playing. Good yeah, times. Early, <laughs> early 2000s or there early, uh, early yeah, 90s. He'll be like, no, he'll be like early 20s by that point. Yeah, early 90s. There you go. So there you go. Marty's a future fucking Seattle kid. That's what he goes <laughs> after. Either way. Like Eddie Vedder, leaving from San Diego to move up to Seattle. <laughs> he plays the song and he, he runs into Lorraine and George, who confirm that they're everything's good uh he tells them not to punish their child if they ever light a fucking he lights a fire on their carpet which is <laughs> self-serving but not a bad idea he has to take off because he's gonna be late yeah he takes off now and it's time to do like basically the we're gonna get marty back to the future yeah, so, after, after all of that it's only like one of the greatest set pieces in film history yeah, exactly the, the hill valley lightning storm yeah so the storm knocks some stuff down that doc had set up so doc has to climb back to the top of the clock tower as he's trying to send marty away he finds the note that marty had writ- written for him we skip i skipped a part earlier where marty keeps trying to tell the doc that he's gonna die and then at, at the end of it all goes and writes him a note and hides it on the dock in, like in his coat yeah. like his raincoat uh, while the doc's talking to a cop about like permits or some shit. The only cop in the city who is <laughs> who, who Doc Brown is fucking bribing in yeah, the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we we know what's going on in Hill Valley in terms of the cops and why they're not doing shit with Biff. Sorry, I I've just been watching a lot of American news lately. Is that not just how it always works down there? It's true. You're not wrong. Fair enough. Yeah, we're in that last big set piece. So Doc finds the note, tears it up, has to get to the top of the thing. And like rehook up the the wire because he didn't set it up properly because <laughs> the storm not realizing there's a storm coming through it's going to knock branches down knocks the branch down so he's got to climb to the top of the roof Marty's got to get into the DeLorean and get down to the end of the street 
and now it's just a race, basically. Just because we needed something to ratchet up the tension here. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, bum, it's exactly. going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so Doc has to climb to the top of the tower and reconnect the cable and then zip line down as Marty is rushing to the finish line. But his he's stuck with the DeLorean stalling because the DeLoreans are pieces of shit cars that <laughs> unreliable, a unreliable piece of shit car that you know stalls again on him. Does the best version of the like hit it and it works. Uh, Basically, gag. like that's it. Yeah, yeah, and it turns on finally. <laughs> Gets there, everything works out in spite of all this completely perfectly. Marty hits the line at exactly the time the lightning strikes. Doc reconnects the wire after ziplining from the top to the bottom after un- disconnecting the wire for the for fucking third time in the sequence. <laughs> and doing a crazy zip line. Yeah, it does a crazy zip line. But everything works out perfectly. Marty hits the line at 88 miles per hour. Time circuits are alive. And we... Doc's hair hits. goes crazy for the rest everything of his goes fucking nuts. life. Yep. Everything goes nuts. <laughs> Doc's dancing in the street. But yeah. the DeLorean is sent forward 30 years to back to 1985. We get the fire all over the place. Doc celebrates in the street as well he should because either he just vaporized a boy or <laughs> he invented time travel. Or he invented time travel. So it's you know he's got th- in 30 years he'll find out basically. <laughs> now we are back we cut and we're back in 1985. Uh Marty confirms that he's back in 1985 by seeing a bum and a porno <laughs> theater which is accurate to yeah. my expectations for the 80s in America. So that's perfect. He gets in the car because he's given himself enough time in the interim to not only go back to exactly when he left and go back a little bit further. So he has some time to save Doc. Of course, the car doesn't fucking agree with him. Stalls out again. <laughs> can, so that he has to which, run across Which town. he couldn't fucking predict by this point. So just just yourself head it again, you idiot. Yeah. yeah. So he should have given himself more time. Granted, first, yeah, absolutely. But either way, so he runs now to the Lone Pine Mall where he gets ah, there just ah. in time just <laughs> to see uh, the beginning of the movie play out, basically. He watches Doc get shot. He watches himself dive into the DeLorean and take off. And he watches himself fucking go into the past, basically, in the car. He watches the Libyans crash into the one-hour photo booth <laughs> <laughs> and just, just fucking wreck themselves. So the Libyan, yeah, <laughs> and, and the Libyans time. all maybe die in a horrible car crash. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> he runs down, finds Doc pulls him over doc eyes open reacts finally he's been shot but he's wearing a bulletproof vest because what the hell he <laughs> fucking taped that letter back together and saved himself so we get a little like scene where like they've obviously had a chat about what marty went through and marty he drops marty off at his house in the middle of the night and takes off says he warns him about the re-entry because Doc's going to go to the future now. This yeah, is the this, only scene that feels no, weird. Nothing, nothing weird at all about, about you know, Doc Brown doing his best Herbert the pervert impression and dropping Marty off in his bed in the middle of the night. So weird, man. Either way, nobody notices. How does this key still work is my question. Like, would they not have better <laughs> locks or different locks? Just period. Either way, they got, they got exactly the same lock. Like, they went shopping at exactly the same day and bought exactly the same lock for that house. We can, we can get to this in a minute, but I've I've thought way too much about like how things play out from here on. So I'm convinced going, and I'll, Doc fucks I'll with that. all of it. I'm convinced it's all <laughs> playing Rick in the background. All that's my theory on it. Either way, Marty goes to sleep, wakes up uh, in his clothes again. So we're repeating exactly the same gag that happened at the beginning of the movie, where he woke up and his brother makes fun of him for having his clothes on. He walks into a completely different living room, which is much nicer than what we saw in the old 1985. And then his brother and sister are there having breakfast. 
except his brother's now wearing a suit and works for a law firm, and his sister's dressed nicely and still more crazy. And she's a slut. She <laughs> wanted yeah. to be. She wanted to be. So yeah. I guess everybody gets what they want it's in great. this version yeah, of the eighties. Perfect. We turn around to meet a much thinner and better looking version of 1985 Lorraine and George, who are happily married and playing tennis together. And frisky as shit. And they are horny for each other still. So (laughs) good for them. You know, uh, we see that Lorraine's attempted rapist is still employed (laughs) by the family and is buffing the car that Marty thought was destroyed because he still thinks it's the old 1985. The family freaks out, but like, you know, they point out that the car's fine. Biff brings in a copy of Mar- uh, George's novel, most recent novel, I guess. I'm assuming he's been writing novels. No, all they along. say it's his first one. Is it his first? Yeah. How do they afford such a nice place? That's I'm assuming novel. he was like a short story writer or something. And like, okay. this yeah. is like his leap to the big time. Actually, you know what? He would have been the right age to like work on like 60s sci-fi TV, like Lost in Space, Star Trek. He, like, yeah, he could have been yeah. one of those guys too, right? So you never yeah. know. Either way. But in, like, they're, the in house, Cal- like- they're in California, so it totally tracks that he would work in the movies before he ends up writing a novel, mm-hmm. I guess, first. Either way. So, yeah, that's great. Biff brings in the book. We find out that, like, Marty had given George Doc's advice to, if you put your mind to it, anything can happen. You can do anything. Yeah. He basically recursively gave George that <laughs> advice, which George now lives by and is now a success. So there you go. He goes outside to find out that his parents have bought him a four by four, the Toyota that he was lusting after at the beginning. And it's just the fucking like most hideous eighties. Oh, like, it's terrible. It's a like, car ever. It's an ugly, ugly truck. <laughs> his beautiful, not Elizabeth shoe girlfriend shows up uh, and asks for a ride, but they can't get anywhere because the fucking DeLorean like explodes onto the scene. Doc is this the doc basically pops out looking for fuel and does the, we have the Marty. Marty, I need fuel, and then he, you know he fills up the it's your family. Yeah, it's your kids. Yeah. What do we become assholes? Like uh, <laughs> the delivery, all this shit is fucking gold. Like every second of these two together is fucking fantastic. Poor, what's your name, Jennifer Hale? No, that's not it. Claudia, Claudia Wells. Claudia Wells. Claudia Wells. Poor Claudia Wells just standing there like with nothing to fucking do. So <laughs> we're good, I guess. Fucking jean vest. That that awful acid wash jeans that she's wearing just. <laughs> And then, which means Elizabeth, oh, she's ladies. stuck with those for fucking two <laughs> movies into like the 90, like till 1993 or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, either way. Yeah. So Marty, uh, Doc has gone to the future and found out that Marty's kids, there's something is going to happen to them. And he piles Marty and Jennifer into the car and they back out. They're going to go to the future and fix it. Marty's like, you're going to have to back up. You're not going to be able to hit 88 on this little stretch of road where we're going. Roads. Marty, roads. We don't need roads. And now the DeLorean flies. The DeLorean. That was my favorite thing about the end of this movie is the shot of the DeLorean flying off. Yeah. Uh, in the future version. And they kind of like takes off into the sky. But I like that original promise of that in the original movie is just like the best. I, there, there was not supposed to be a fulfilled promise. No. There was not supposed to be a sequel. That was just supposed to be the end of Back to the Future. Imagine. Be <laughs> they they made the, the perfect best. Ending. They made the best setup for a sequel ever, and they were just like, okay, what are we be. doing next? Yeah. Like, uh, I'll go make Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Which, I mean, valid also. Yeah, yeah I mean, also fair. fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll never return to this again. Yeah, either way. So that is basically, Hugh, I mean, Huey Lewis plays, and we're out of Back to the Future Part 1. So Back that's, in time. Yeah, we, get, we go back in time. What a, what a perfect, perfect it, it might be the best screenplay ever. It's up there. It, you can just see that, like, Bob Zemeckis and Robert Gale, or Robert Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, like, just sat there ahead of time and, like, made a spreadsheet or, like, had yeah. a bunch of post-it notes and were like, all right, 
here's this plot point. How, how are we going to pay it off in 90 minutes? Here's this plot point. How are we going to pay it off in 90 minutes? And it's just like clockwork. It's like all of Doc's clocks in the first scene all chiming at the same time for the entire length of the movie. And then for two more movies that they hadn't even written yet. <laughs> it's almost like that's how you should write a script somehow for some yeah, reason. Just like, <laughs> and I know that some people like kind of frown on that. Like I remember that when the Russo brothers were talking about after Avengers Endgame, how like they storyboarded every plot point and like all the callbacks they were wanting to use. And people are like, oh, that's not organic. That's not how you should make movies, you know, not by just. It is if you execute it well. Yeah, just like. Exactly. You can, yeah. if, if done in the right way, which this absolutely does, like to an. And I would, I would argue level. that Endgame kind of does it too. So. Oh, for sure. Endgame, <laughs> yeah. like this, like the only thing that I can, like last time I watched Back to the Future, I'm reading my letterbox review, review it. I was like, what would it be like to have been in this theater on opening weekend and see all of this stuff with an audience? And the answer is, it would have been like seeing Avengers Endgame. It would have just been payoff after payoff after payoff for the last 45 minutes of the movie, and yeah. everybody would have absolutely lost their shit. Like, yeah. it's like, that is the closest that we're ever going to get to seeing. Yeah, it's two hours of setup versus payoff rather than yeah. a decade of yeah, setup but versus it's, payoff. It's still but, like yeah. equally satisfying to see like, you know, like yeah. George finally punches Biff and, you know, like seeing Lorraine, like finally invert all of that stuff. And instead of the thing that they told you was going to happen, happen the opposite of what she told you was going to happen, happens. It's just like, they're so aware of like what they were doing that they're able to like pay it off exactly the way you hope they would pay it off or pay it off in the complete opposite of the way you want them to pay it off. And they both work equally well. It's like, it, it is probably the best screen. It's the best time travel screenplay ever written. It's one of the best screenplays ever written period it's one of the best movies ever made i'll say it's the best comedy time travel screenplay ever written i've got a couple others that i might put it up put above it just in terms of more like hard sci-fi time travel stuff but yes i agree it is written fucking amazingly i love comedy that treats time travel intelligently and this is the fucking or example of that well, this is like, it's so weird because it's like this and Ghostbusters have kind of the, uh, the same way of like introducing a very ground level like concept and world that they add a ridiculous fucking concept to like either ghosts or time travel in this case. Mm-hmm. And they treat it very like real world, but there's a little bit of goofiness around it just because of the situation that results from yeah. the two things. It's like, did people forget how to write a fucking comedy script from 19, like 1984 till now? This is how you do it. <laughs> like, they did it twice in one fucking year. These yeah. perfect sci-fi comedy movies, like back to back in the same summer. And Jesus, like I mean, you obviously couldn't put them together. They were put together completely opposite, obviously, because you, you hear the stories about Ghostbusters <laughs> being like a complete seat of your pants yeah. and like mess. And yeah. we talked about it when we did our episode about that movie, or our multiple episodes about that <laughs> movie. Because I'll never stop talking about fucking Ghostbusters. <laughs> but Back to the Future is like it's it's like the opposite style of script writing where it's all super planned out and everything Chekhov's gun fires exactly when it's time to fire. But it's like it's it treats it it treats the time travel seriously. Like it never makes a joke out of the science or any of that kind of stuff. The jokes come from the situation he gets into. Yeah, it's, like it's not like hot tub time machine. Like, oh I guess exactly. it's a hot tub time machine. Like the time like the time travel is very like flux capacitor, one point twenty one gigawatts. Like that's all they're at least giving it a reason, but it's pretty hand wavy. Like this is not a rival. Yeah. 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 
Like this isn't even Avengers Endgame. Like it's no, just like okay, like we did this. Barely, thing. it's barely classic Star Trek in terms but, of like how it complicated yeah, the time no travel or forever or anything like that. But it's no, enough exactly, to like so. okay, like it does what it has to do. It it kicks the plot in motion. It gives stakes. It gives a clear goal, and yep. that's uh, and for those three goals, one point twenty one gigawatts is enough. Like yeah. that's yep. all that you need, and you've got all of that, all those dominoes knocked down in one fell swoop. Yeah, ah, so good. So <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. How good, how well written this movie is. <laughs> yeah, no, and like that was like the my the end of my notes is like I don't know what we talk about because this movie is basically perfect and like <laughs> yeah, no notes. <laughs> that's what we talk about is like it's like I mean I want to talk about the cast obviously because like I mean from the top down everybody is just like perfectly fucking cast to the role that they are going to be doing. Yeah. Michael J. Fox is like obviously they couldn't even make this movie without him. So they didn't even bother trying. <laughs> they tried and then he they just, started all over. Yeah, he sells the concept and then did it again. Yeah, exactly. and then he and he's so good that like because he's there downplaying all the weirdness of the incest, you're like fine with it while you're watching the movie, and it's not till after because when he you're fine because he makes it like he's of weird. Of course, you would fall in love with him. Yeah, like yeah. how could you not? He's Michael J. Fox. <laughs> he's Michael J. Fox. Exactly right. And like, you can you see, not? yeah, exactly, and you can see that he's uncomfortable with it as well. And you're like, yeah. okay, if he's uncomfortable with it, then it's I okay feel for like me. it's okay. Yeah. yeah, it's okay for me to watch this and yeah. not be like a hundred percent fucking weirded out by it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. No, he sells. All- he sells all of that. He sells the situational stuff so yeah. fucking well. And then Christopher Lloyd, who like I swear to God should be knighted or whatever. He's so fucking good. <laughs> in, like. Throughout the 80s, like, and he kills because he does, like, he's in Star Trek 3, he's, like, the best Klingon. He basically codifies the Klingons for the 80s or, like, the, you know, the next generation and all that kind of stuff. He fucking knocks it out of the park. As I mean, eventually, that's in the 90s. That's way down the line. (laughs) Fantastic as Doc Brown and all these. And then, yeah, exactly. Then he's Judge Doom in Roger Rabbit. Like, Mr. Lloyd is a fucking master. Like, super What a run. Yeah, he had an awesome run. And he, like... We were talking about it when we did the run through, but like the facial reactions and like the comedy beats that he gets in this movie, like his face when he realizes he burnt, he lit those fucking rags on fire. And I skipped that in the tweet telling. <laughs> but, that, but that like cartoon face yeah. is, is the best fucking face. And I think it's actually the face that they use when they describe like Doc Brown, like how the Federation and Starfleet are like the Doc Browns of the Star Trek universe because they'll just wire insane shit together just as an experiment, basically. <laughs> And that's how the Vulcans view us is as all we're all Doc Browns, right? <laughs> Just doing whatever we yeah, want, yeah. And, you know, like insane stuff. But that's the face he makes. And that's from that meme is <laughs> fucking lighting the rags on fire. And Christopher Lloyd is just yeah. he's so good. At, and he's good at the subtle shit and he's good at the big shit. And he just kills it. Yeah. Chris Lloyd as Doc Brown codified basically like the mad scientist stereotype for me early on in my life like that was what i would always compare that that stereotype and trope back to later on and then i go i there's two for me i go back to him and i go back to and it's reanimator like it's oh yeah yeah yeah. but that's a little bit later but like those are the two when people say like mad scientists i'm like we just get christopher lloyd and jeffrey combs into a fucking like room (laughs) together in the 80s and make a mad scientist off movie yeah genius yeah. Just do it now before either of them die. Like, let's go yeah. do it now. And you were talking about like his reaction shots and stuff. The one oh. that really does it for me is just, uh, and you talked about it, like that look of sheer delight when he realizes ostensibly that he's successfully sent Marty back to the future. Like that, that just brings me joy just thinking about it like that. Oh, yeah, and you're a scientist. You must... It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I, I know what that yeah. feels like <laughs> when, when you do an experiment and it fucking works and it shows what you wanted to or whatever. Yeah. Like that, that feeling of satisfaction is 
just unparalleled. And he does it twice in the movie. He does it once when they send Einstein back and once when he sends Marty back. And the reaction is like similarly joyful, but he plays it in a different way each time. Well, he almost gets like, to do it night- times when he realizes the flux capacitor is real too. He yeah. has a real like blue like, screen. Had- like, oh shit, I did it. Oh yeah. my God, I did it. I did it. I, did it, I, did it, I will did it. do it. <laughs> and will, even yeah. though you've seen it, like it still carries that weight. You're like, you did like doc, you did it. Yeah, and man. like all you needed to hear was a couple lines of dialogue about how he blew his entire family fortune on this and about how he's never invented anything that works. And now <laughs> that carries you through like him having this like hugely cathartic moment three times in the span of 90 minutes yeah man yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah. so yeah so christopher lloyd's great and then like running down i mean like we talk about the 80s cast but like his brother and sister do what they need to do jennifer oh god damn i keep wanting to call her jennifer hale <laughs> <laughs> claudia wells claudia wells <laughs> claudia wells does exactly what she needs to do in her bit early yeah. on but it's like really crispin glover uh leah thompson yeah. Like, just... well, Thomas Wilson is Biff. I mean, like, all, yeah, I was gonna, I was like, getting to Biff. Biff, the, the the greatest of the '80s villains. I was like, gonna say, like, he's the Uber example, the I'm, bully. I'm thinking, yeah. yeah, like yeah. he is, and he, like, we can get to this later. Like, he just gets better and better as the movies keep going. Oh man, he's <laughs> so good in the third one. I didn't know it was him until oh, yeah. an embarrassingly recent amount of time. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, like I was just like, oh, they must have recast, you know, Biff for part three, oh. and then. Like, you know, maybe, I don't know, five years ago, I went to IMDb and I was like, oh, my God, yeah. it's the same actor. <laughs> yeah. And like, he never really did anything else. But like, that's a surprising amount of growth between like, you can tell he's young and like fairly new to it in the first movie. He was like and, 22 or 21 or 22 yeah. in the first movie. And then by like the second one, he's a little bit more confident. Like he plays his role really well when he shows up in the 80s in the second one. And then the third one. Yeah, he fucking crushes playing uh, <laughs> Buford. 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 Man, yeah, he's fucking can... gold. But like, all yeah, like those three in the like the fifties kids kind of thing. Like, they're like just stupendously good. Yeah, Biff, yeah. Biff, or uh, yeah, Thomas especially Wilson. in the dual role because like they get to like have the old age makeup and play themselves like mm. thirty yeah. years older, and then they get to go back and play themselves like as kids and or kind of contemporarily play themselves as kids, but like nineteen fifty five kids, whatever. It's weird. <laughs> the, have you heard the stories about how Thomas Wilson like carries around cards with <laughs> yeah. all the questions that he commonly get at gets asked by fans now? And so he just hands them out to people rather than like bothering to answer them. <laughs> it sounds kind of like the William Atherton. It's funny because like they, they kind of had they sounds like they had similar kind of reactions. Like they're such hated 80s villains. Yeah. Do you remember the stories about Willem Atherton after Ghostbusters? Yeah. Like you get called Dickless in the street. And you <laughs> it and shit. It's it sounds like this Biff man has no dick. Said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like it sounds like Biff had, I think, yeah, I remember hearing stories about it. And like it sounds like the two of them had like a very similar, like, oh my God, it sucks going in public now because I'm like the most hated <laughs> man in like in the world because of like I was the heavy in Ghostbusters slash Back to the Future and like it ruined my life kind yeah. of thing after the fact. <laughs> But they're all great. Like I just like you couldn't do this movie without these like actors. I don't think. Like, no, if any if any one of them had been miscast, then like the the whole thing fucking just falls apart. Yeah. So any like one the, any one of those like core five. And I really wish yeah. like Leah Thompson had done more stuff later because like I mean aside like aside from bombing her career with Howard the Duck, she was well, she usually that, pretty good in her stuff. And she had that show. I used to watch yeah, Carolina in the City. That, yeah, she mm-hmm. had that uh, sitcom. She's my OG t- Tina Fey, Leah Thompson, like that slightly older girl that I have a thing for. Yeah, <laughs> Leah Thompson, 100%. And Caroline in the City, because she plays an illustrator living in Seattle. How am I not supposed to fall in love with that? Immediately <laughs> yeah. on board. So either way, yeah, like that's I know Caroline in the City. Like I know what the plot of that show is, so there you go. <laughs> what else do we want to talk about? Like, there's support, there's support people that are fantastic. Like, the guy who plays Goldie Wilson 
is has an awesome bit in his little scene. Strickland uh, is great. Strickland is yeah, fantastic. Strickland. Yep. We got to do Masters of the Universe because that guy plays the same fucking character in everything he's in <laughs> in the 80s because he's exactly the same character in that movie when he's yelling at Tom Paris. So, But just, I mean, this is just like a monumental movie. Like It's a huge, unexpected hit. It gives Zemeckis a blank check that he is still able to cash in on to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Like every, every weird movie that Robert Zemeckis has made for the past 35 years, it's like, well, he made Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I guess he knows what he's doing. Yeah, back to back. Yeah, and then, like, and then he makes Forrest Gump and wins the Oscar for that. And then, like... He gets into mocap in the 2000s and it gets really freaking weird. And then yeah. now he's making like welcome, welcome to Marwin and he's getting a huge budget to make a movie about Steve Carell imagining that he's an action figure. And like all of this stuff wouldn't – and he's made like I, – I will vigorously defend later career Robert Zemeckis. But he doesn't get to make those movies without Back to the Future. Like Roger no. Rabbit probably doesn't happen. Back yeah. to the Future 2 and 3 definitely don't happen. He probably doesn't do far as the He's not He's making not all making those on the back of on the back of romancing the stone as great yeah. a movie as and, that is. Yeah, I mean, romancing cars. the stone is not a bad flick. You know, no, it's not great, but it didn't. It you know, it's not the fucking cultural touchstone that Back like, to the Future is. Well, no, it's it's a. It's a cut rate Indiana Jones. So exactly. like I mean Michael Douglas is fine, but he's not fucking Harrison Ford. So. You know, and that's like that's him and Sylvester getting together for the first time and then they become kind that's of like true. it's an insult to call him like the B plus John Williams and or and Steven Spielberg, but they kind of are the B plus I don't know. I feel Spielberg. like I mean like Alan Silvestri at this point has worked so much in the Marvel movies, I feel like he's got his own yeah. like like yeah, he's career kind of like to stand on he at this point. He so. should have gotten an Oscar for Endgame. Like, if not oh, for Captain fuck. America, Jesus. the first Avenger, like, yeah. just, just for, like, the last 30 minutes of Endgame alone, he should have gotten an Oscar I, for he, The fact that he didn't get a nod for this score is almost criminal. Like, it's so perfect it's for what this movie does. Yeah. So. And I mean, like, Forrest, like, he hasn't won, I think he's only been nominated for Forrest Gump, yeah, and he lost to Hans Zimmer and the Lion King that year. Yeah. But like, I mean, just look at the movies that he's scored. Like, like everything. Even, even Castaway, the music in that doesn't come in until Tom Hanks is leaving the island. Yeah. And it's still an incredibly effective score, like, even in such a tiny little dose of it. Uh-huh. But, I mean, this is like, I mean, I've got this, the, the box set that looks like the plutonium case of this score yeah. sitting right here behind me. Like, I've, yeah. I just upgraded to the 4Ks. I'm going to go watch this movie right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it is one of the, it's, it's perfect. Like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely perfect. And the next two aren't aren't bad at all either. It's just that they aren't perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What else did I want to talk about? Um, I want to call production design on this movie. Everything works well oh, together. Yeah. Like the the industrial design. Like you believe that this fucking cobbled together, weirdly designed fucking car could feasibly be a time machine. Like it looks like something would someone would make in their fucking home lab, right? A mad scientist. And, yeah. And exact and then again, paralleling Ghostbusters. Like the, the yeah. industrial yeah. design works. Oh like yeah, it's so it's so like, similar. It's perfect. Like, like it's very similar and shit like that. Yeah, it, it, like it looks like real world and it looks like tactile and like it really exists and it's just like just yeah, it's not tiny. overly slick or anything. Yeah, or, like just yeah. give me this shit. I love it when it looks like it was actually worked on in the lab. Like it looks just yeah. so much better and then and then the and then they this, the flip of the 50s is the 50s just, shit is so good i mean obviously yeah. like it's a highly idealized version of the 50s kind of thing and yeah plenty of the people that would have seen this movie in theaters would have had you know f- like really vivid firsthand memories of the 50s so they would have realized that but like still it just it encapsulates what the public consciousness feels like the fifties were like, kind it's of like thing. the Norman Rockwell version of yeah. the fifties. Yeah. It's basically. when you think of the fifties, you don't think of the fifties. You think of back to the future in 1955. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Which is basically just Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> life. So like, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the way they redress that backlot set, like to make it look dark and oh dirty and grungy yeah. in 1985, and then it's pristine and clean and beautiful in 1955. 1985 makes it look like Escape from New York. It's so fucking like, <laughs> yeah, bad. Like, they yeah, look like exactly. it's, Snake it's, Plissken like, just fucking comes just around the, the background. Yeah, and, then, and then they somehow managed to make it even more Escape from New Yorky and Back to the Future. Part I know two. it's yeah. crazy, <laughs> which is like, insane. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and I mean that that whole establishing sequence, the the Enter Sandman sequence, as Mark called yeah. it, sorry, it's just, <laughs> it's I just stop smoking so much weed before the episode, boy. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that's just Chef's kiss, perfect. Uh, yeah. And I mean, the effects uh, they're not used that often, but when they do used, I mean, it's fucking ILM effects. It's oh, yeah. early ILM effects, but it's still ILM effects. But it's like that '80s, and I keep I know I keep talking about Ghostbusters, but it's like it's used just oh, it enough does. to make yeah. it like really interesting the way like in the first yeah. ghostbusters movie the proton packs use just seldom enough that it's the coolest fucking thing you've ever seen because yeah. you don't see it that much right so the delorean actually traveling through time only happens twice right yeah but it's the uh-huh. coolest fucking thing you've ever seen so you're like that's the coolest fucking thing i've ever seen yeah so and in this movie the the flaming tire tracks are like that iconic effect that yep. is the proton pack beams of yep. of ghostbusters kind of thing like that is yep. just something that is so deeply ingrained and entrenched with back to the and identified with back even to that the future now. terrible match shot of the the flames between the two characters legs that like they've never cleaned up they <laughs> yeah, always yeah, leave yeah. with the bad mat lines like it's still there in the 4k <laughs> version I, I couldn't believe it that they didn't clean it up more because i just watched indie and like there's no fucking mat lines in tomb uh temple of doom Last Crusade or Raiders one, anymore. Yeah, same with Star Wars. Like they've cleaned all that shit up and all the, gone now. But like this one, movie. this one, I was like, oh, look, there's still like it's still basically a transfer of the 35 millimeter original. They didn't fuck with it anymore. They just cleaned it. Well, like, yeah, as as protective as I mean, Bob Gale, like Zemeckis is still doing the Zemeckis thing, but Bob Gale didn't do a lot outside of Back to the Future. After this, no. he has become like the keeper of Back to the Future. Like everything has to get approved by him. He'll like he'll be involved with every little bit of spinoff media, like the mm-hmm. musical, the ride at Universal, the cartoon show, like that all goes through him for approval. And like he's probably just like, no, I'm not going to let you clean it up. Like this is what the movie is. Like we're this is the yeah. movie we made. This is the movie that's getting released. Which I'm completely fine with. Like I, I oh for like, sure, it looks like, great. So I mean, the transfer is really good. So like, don't say it. Like I'm not saying like it's a bad transfer. It's an mm-hmm. excellent 4K transfer. Yeah, it's just interesting that like this is the one movie of the era that like they're not sprucing up around the edges a little bit. It doesn't need it because it doesn't hinge that heavily. No. Yeah, it's so. just it's one little shot. It's yeah. not yeah. like you know. I don't know. I found, I found like, like you know, but like Ghostbusters is the same way. Where like they put it out in 4K and it looks great, but like you can still see some of the, like the the effects jank that's like from the original, like because mm-hmm. they rushed the production. Like some of the effects were kind of weird and janky, and like they just left it in there because that's part of the charm yeah. of the yeah. movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So, like, like, it, it, if it looked perfect, it wouldn't be the same. Like you, exactly. you fallen, like you you know those little imperfections. You you kind of crave them and you miss them when they're not there. I know you're not listening, George Lucas, but you could fucking learn a thing or two. (laughs) Stop touching your shit. God damn it. Either way. I don't know. I mean, well, I I think with Star Wars, not that I agree with like the special editioning of it, but like at least going back and cleaning up those effect shots Mm. because Star Wars hinges so heavily on those shots for you to really buy into it. That I think that one, you know, that maybe needs or you know warrants it a little bit more than a fucking like adventure comedy. Like we could do an entire movie. episode talking about remasters and all that kind of shit, and whether it's like a valid thing to like do or like if you believe that George has the, the right. To, yeah, oh, great. 
Oh, anyway, <laughs> what else do we want to talk about, boys? We got this is going to be the longest fuck episode of all time. Otherwise, let's get out of here. It, it seems like that tends to happen when I show up. <laughs> uh, it's also yeah. just this fucking movie deserves yeah. deserves this treatment. So, if you're going to break records, this is the movie yeah. to break yeah. the record for. Yeah, I mean, there's probably stuff we haven't even talked about yet that we're just totally. Glazing. I try to bring up everything that I like. I can think of. We brought up like we've talked about the score. We have talked about the special effects, and industrial yeah, design, the screenplay. The, the screenplay yeah, is fucking the perfect. Acting, uh, the acting I, is great. Uh, directing. I mean, it's directed really well. Shot really well. Also, like technically, really well done. There were some really impressive shots that I noticed this time that mm-hmm. I haven't really taken like great notice of before, just because I've just been so caught up in it and just enjoying it. The one that struck me this time was the the bedroom scene with Lorraine, mm-hmm. where very well staged. That yeah, shot, like, super well staged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lorraine throws him his pants. He falls off the bed. Or no, he falls back off the bed. Then Lorraine, he gets up. Lorraine throws him his pants, and then you and see Lorraine. Yeah, and then you see Lorraine in the mirror spin around and check him out yeah. before she leaves the door like that. That yeah, it's just so fucking well yeah blocked and then shot as well. Yeah. So now Zeme- Zemeckis knows his way around a camera. Like yeah, I mean, oh yeah, and they, and they kind of do like the evolved version of that in the opening of Contact when the camera goes through the mirror. And, like yes. it's one of those shots that you don't realize is like oh my god how did they do that until like you really stop and think about think, it yeah. but i mean he's just one of those people like spielberg who knows what to do with the camera instinctively and mm. and just nails it I, I remember seeing that contact shot when that movie came out and i'm such a film dork that i remember like sitting in the theater as a kid being like wait how the fuck did they do that <laughs> and it took me out of the movie because like the next half an hour like my brain was stuck i'm like how did they do that camera trick and it's one of those things that like it doesn't need to be there but it's like okay i can do this now like, yeah take, take and watch this which has kind of been robert zemeckis's ethos really all throughout his career like as good as the effects were in this it's the combination of live action and animation and what in roger rabbit yeah that whole movie is a i can do this i'm gonna yeah. do it <laughs> well in, inserting tom hanks into the past in forest Gump, yeah that's and true shot in contact and then all the mocap stuff, like everything that he's done with his career, like from, I mean, even like he filmed half of Castaway, then filmed all of What Lies Beneath, then went back and finished filming Castaway. That is like the ultimate, <laughs> I'm going to do this just because I can move for a direct. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gets, he got away with it. And like, he got to work with some of like the fucking best talent in the world as a result. Like that's the career I would be happy oh, yeah, with. Like, I think at the end I of mean, the day, absolutely. like, Good for I, him. I, I take back calling him the B plus Spielberg because he is one of my favorite directors, but like, he, like, I mean, but like calling somebody the B plus Spielberg is not exactly yeah, yeah. Spielberg yeah, is Spielberg like praising by faint, faint damnation, yeah. as we say. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, he's he's an excellent director and deserves way more props than he probably gets like these days. Like, for sure, I think I think that Forrest Gump kind of did that to him because like yeah. the backlash against that was so heavy. It's like oh, like he's the boomer director. Like his needle drops are always so on the nose. Like he's you know. But like then you look back like wait a second that guy made Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future in Contact and like yeah. even something yeah. like Beowulf is like maximalist and batshit insane. Yeah, I forgot he did that. That yeah, like Beowulf I, it's adaptation. Really, it's really His good. Filmography it's, is insane. It's like, you really got to look at like what really. he's worked on and stuff yeah. like that. Like even like stuff that he's just like thrown money at, like produced. Yeah, like he's given a ton of people at their starts just because he's like, oh, tales from the crypt. Like, I, exactly exactly like, <laughs> he's like i, I want to see that so and i got fucking back to the future money so like here <laughs> yeah it's one of those situations where i feel like he maybe doesn't get those props just because he doesn't have a really distinctive style that you can pin down yeah. as as well as some directors do and not that that's a bad thing it's great to have a really you know diverse kind of thing 
But, you know, in that in that case, you know, you can't really say like, oh, I can look at that and tell instantly it's a Bob Zemeckis movie. Yeah. yeah you can you can feel a Spielberg movie, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching it, but, the Spielberg yeah. face. But yeah. like, oh, yeah. Zemeckis' style to me is that he's always like he's like the anti James Cameron. Like James Cameron will spend 15 <laughs> years perfecting a piece of technology before he makes a movie. Zemeckis will make five movies in that span trying to figure the technology out. And he's always like a a couple of years ahead of where everybody else needs to be. Like he falls on his face a little bit with movies like the Polar Express and like Beowulf where like the, the mocap isn't quite there. So that when Polar Express on Candy Valley shit, when when people start doing it, like with then, then it's there. Like he, he fails so that other people can succeed. So if you see something that like, looks a little out of time and came out a couple of years before you think it did. That's probably a Robert Zemeckis movie. <laughs> like something like the walk, which nobody saw and is a great movie. Yeah. Like that was doing, that was like nailing the whole digital backlot thing. That is like, is what you do now. I mean, Disney took that to the next level with the volume for the Mandalorian and that their film, like that whole like CGI live action background. Yeah. But Zemeckis was right there. Like, making a movie that nobody saw and got totally crushed by the Martian on its opening weekend so that <laughs> other people could succeed in his footsteps. Yeah, I almost kind of want to, like, like, I don't know if there's a biography about him or something like that. Cause like, that's my kind of motherfucker. Like the guy who's just wants, he wants to push the bleeding edge so bad. Yeah. He barely cares what he's like, what yeah. is, he's doing. And with he just it. does it. He just, just keeps me- doing it. Meanwhile, we're still waiting on Avatar And especially that (laughs) that aspect of it that's like, give me the tech and let me fucking figure it out while I'm like grinding through it. Like I that that's my kind of guy. Like give me that guy. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and that's Cameron and your fifteen out, fifteen years yeah. of fucking research horseshit. Like, just get in there and fucking do it, you like, wiener. He used to, be, and that's the weird part about Cameron too, because he used to be that guy. Like, because like through Terminator, Terminator Two, like they were yeah. developing massive amounts of technology to make those movies, and he was right in the middle of it, like through Titanic and Avatar. But then he's just like, no, I'm gonna take my now time. Now it has to be perfect. <laughs> but even yeah. Avatar, like he was attached to Battle Angel, Alita, and Avatar oh at the same time, yeah. and would just wouldn't make either of them because he wanted to perfect the technology before he made either one. Yeah, and then yeah. he eventually gave up the rights to Battle Angel. But and then you've got Zemeckis who is like, all right. I'm going to invent like Vista glide technology for back to the future part two so that I can film Michael J. Fox acting opposite himself. And then I'm <laughs> going to revolutionize live action animated hybrids like in the same year with Roger rabbit. Yeah. And then I'm just going to keep chasing this technological muse for the next 30 years. <laughs> like, ah, uh, what, what a guy, what a kind of want to want to sit down and like have a beer with him and ask him, like, yeah. talk yeah. to me about your yeah. making movies too. Cause I just want to know. I'm curious. Yeah. Zemeckis on Zemeckis. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, like literally, too, I have nothing else to talk about. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like, there's anything else to talk about. <laughs> the only thing we did talk about the soundtrack, I just want to go on record and say that uh, my band in high school, we actually did do a cover of this version of Johnny Be Good. Like okay. straight up with the, <laughs> like right right down to the, you know, solo. Go- yeah, the yeah. solo going off the rails <laughs> and then like us all just kind of like, you know, faltering out. And then our singer saying, you might, you guys ain't ready for that, but your kids are going to love it. Fair enough. And then <laughs> a rim shot the fire drum. I heard John be good. Like watching Back to the Future, that was probably like my intro to Chuck Berry. So I guess I'm. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It would be like. 1955. Like, oh, yeah. who's this? Yeah, yeah. That would have absolutely been the first time I heard that song. So. And the only thing that I can possibly say, like, detracted from this movie that I would gripe about it in the least. Aside is just, from the incest. 
Expect from the incest. Hey, the fucking they they fucking sell it. They make it work. They, they really get the it. Incest. They right here it. first. Tim yeah. is pro incest. Everybody, that's what we just got out of him. Stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, as long as I mean, I was I was the biggest uh, Game of Thrones apologist. Was, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's really true. And Tim was the most voracious supporter of my little theory about Game of Thrones and Pornhub when uh, I brought that up at Dragon Con that year. So. <laughs> He's like, that makes sense, and I'm on board. And I was like, <laughs> you shouldn't be, but okay. <laughs> but the only thing here that, again, watching this, I, I watched the Amazon versions, the Prime streaming versions, could have been in 4K because I was watching on my PS5. They probably were. They looked really clear. But like a lot of older movies, it's really clear when they're using like stunt doubles, and some of the makeup doesn't, like the aged up makeup, doesn't really hold up. Like you can really see the lines, the seams, or like yeah. it's overly wrinkly when they're turning their heads and shit like that that was the only things that i picked up that i was like okay that out of everything in this fucking 35 year old movie doesn't hold up perfectly it's why they so quickly hand wave him having that surgery in the future in the second part so they can get all that fucking gunk off his face for the (laughs) remainder of the movie yeah so they don't have to deal with the makeup effects because they're gonna be dealing with a lot of makeup effects anyway right but like for christopher lloyd in particular like no if he's gonna be on camera the whole time fucking get that shit off of him like yeah that's not (laughs) anymore because he's already old he was like what? Four, in his probably in his forties, maybe Must early fifties like when 50s, this was filmed. And if Doc Brown is like in his thirties and nineties, so he's probably no. playing like twenty years older than than he is when he's playing old Doc Brown. Well, he's like he's old now. Like he's in his like what? He's like in his eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he was he was born in thirty eight. So yeah, I guess he would have been in his forties then. Yeah, when when the first movie was filmed. No, he's like our my grand, he's like our grandparents' age, basically. He's yeah, because like he was generation. like because yeah. if you look no, at Reverend then, Jim yeah. from Taxi, which is just a few years before back. Oh, in the that's future, right, because he, he was not in Taxi, like too. not yeah. Brown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's about the only thing that I can like would even remotely complain about in this. But yeah. Do you guys have anything else or you want to just move on to give this movie the inevitable rating? <laughs> this is the one movie where I have like literally almost nothing to bitch about. So like, yeah, I, I can just sit down and watch the, the sequels to a lesser extent. I like them, but like to a lesser extent, the first one is a perfect movie. Like it's right up there with Ghostbusters and Raiders for me, where it's just like, oh, it's on. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to sit here and watch it. So like you want to yep. like number rating is what you're asking me for yep. right now. Ten yep. out of ten. <laughs> the fucking it's a perfect movie from like from script to acting to production like the whole fucking thing works almost flawlessly from beginning to end or as like i've never seen a movie that works more flawlessly than this so i assume this is a perfect movie <laughs> maybe somebody can do it better at some point but i fucking haven't seen it yet and i've seen a lot of movies in my goddamn day so <laughs> 10 out of 10 i love this movie all right steven the 1.21 giga tens out of 10 <laughs> there it is yeah <laughs> Fair 10 enough. gigawatts out of 10. <laughs> yeah, for me, this is 10 out of 10. It's just a great, fun popcorn movie. It's smart. It's funny. It pulls at just the right heartstrings. I, yeah, it's one of those rare cases where pretty much everything works together, which is basically the same compliment that I paid to Blade Runner 2049, where just the writing, the cast, production design, music score, it, everything's just fucking firing on all cylinders to make. A movie that, like, if you think about this concept on paper, I can't imagine the fucking pitch meeting for this fucking movie. Because this concept sounds fucking ridiculous if you just like put it in front of somebody straight up. But it's just all in the fucking execution. The execution is perfect, and our listeners know how much I love Bill and Ted. This shares, this informs Bill and Ted so much. Bill and Ted doesn't happen if this movie doesn't happen. No, I mean, it's, it's too, it's too... It's two, like, you know, aspiring musicians that end up in a fucking, like, time travel scheme, and one of them wants to fuck his mom. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Come> and, like, <laughs> and like a comedian guides them through it. It's either Christopher Lloyd or uh, George Carlin. So it's yeah. <laughs> like, that's your guide to time travel. <laughs> it's yeah. like some eighties comedian who's probably said really filthy things on stage. Like the, my life. two favorite depictions of time travel in film, like back to the future with its setups and payoffs and like trash can. Remember the trash can. Remember the trash can. Like that's like, that's time travel. Yeah. Oh, I, when again, we talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it. Like both of them, they, the, the time travel isn't the gag, you know, it's the, the gag is, is the characters, the gag yeah. are the, the personalities. Gag. Yeah, exactly. So just like the other great eighties time travel movie, Star Trek four, where it's, the gag is <laughs> the time travel. I can always, yeah. I can always reference back to Star Trek, no matter what yeah. you do. <laughs> always. But it's the same fucking story, right? Like you send a, a fish out of water group of people back to the past and like, wow, yeah. it's craziness. <laughs> this is true. If I was a Star Trek writer, I would have immediately thought about this when I saw this movie. I'd have been like, <laughs> that, it's probably where they came up with that idea. They, they, they saw Back to the Future and were like, we could send Shatner to 1980. Wait, we could send him with Spock and it would be great. There you go. <laughs> And then 1987, that movie came out three years later. <laughs> Just enough time to write a script, you know, and plop out the movie. <laughs> plop out. I think that's accurate for what happened with Star Trek. Star 4. Trek Four. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Plopped out. plopped out of a fucking humpback whale. And surprisingly, just won everybody's hearts for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, got nominated for like five Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I mean, it's it's a charming it's a charming plop. It's. <laughs> We'll do those movies someday, and like I'll, I'll say my piece about Star Trek Four. But yeah, I've I've mixed feelings about that movie. But we can, yeah, let's get this let's get this episode over with. Put this on the bed. So let's finish up with our final segment, which is Geek Cred, where we just recommend something for you to check out that we think you might enjoy. Stephen, what do you want to give your Geek Cred to this week? So this is another installment, and in Stephen is about eight years behind the times. But I finally got around to watching Dis or uh, Gravity Falls on Disney Plus. Oh my which god. Is- which is a just fantastic show, an animated show that aired on Disney Channel. And what what was that other one that they have? Uh, it's Disney Channel and the like older kid version of the Disney Channel. And it's a, it's about two kids who go to live with their great uncle in this tiny town in Oregon for the summer. And the, the uncle owns like a kind of a Ripley's Believe It or Not type of tourist trap. But it turns out that the whole town is like Twin Peaks meets the X-Files where all of this weird stuff is actually happening. And the kids get into misadventures and it turns out like you eventually realize that it's like it's telling one single story across all of its 40 episodes. So you have like these fun side adventures, but there's always hints of something larger in the background and it builds and it builds and it builds to this like awesome, incredible, like extended finale that I just watched the other day and I'm still kind of a buzz from it. Great animation, great voice performances, uh, just just a ton of fun. I wish I'd seen it when it was airing live, but I'm glad I finally got around to catching up to it. So uh, Gravity Falls on Disney Plus, highly recommend. Yeah, you're not my only friend that came to that later and was like, man, I wish I'd been watching this when it came out. Kind of. Yeah, I'd been hearing about it for years and I'd been meaning to do it and meaning to do it. And I finally jumped on board and just what a delight. I wish I could have taken longer to watch it instead of blazing through it in about a month. But uh, so much fun. Nice. Mark, how about you? Uh, Back to the Future. Just watch this movie. That we're talking about. I don't know. Mark cops though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have. I, all I've done is play with my iPad and watch this movie like three times this week. So fair enough. I mean, if you want to go buy yourself an iPad and draw, that's something you could do. I guess. Like, go do something creative for yourself. I guess that's basically what this is for: is for me to continue to draw stuff. Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, this movie is great, so I w- highly recommend uh, that. Everybody go watch it if they haven't seen it, like your fucking wife. Like, <laughs> she has now. 
She sat with me and watched the whole thing. To be fair, she started out playing video games during it. Like she had the the Switch handheld in her lap, but like turned it off about like maybe 20 minutes in and like sat and watched the whole thing. So my geek cred for this week, this is Pride Month. As we're recording this, DC put out a Pride special that's just called DC Pride. And I'm mostly the way through it now. It's basically like an anthology of little short stories featuring entirely featuring LGBTQ characters and written and drawn entirely by LGBTQ creators. And they're just some of them. I mean, some of them are really powerful. Some of them are just kind of like little fun romps kind of thing, but it's just a nice little celebration. You know, there is a lot of blowback against the corporatization of pride and stuff like that. But when you're dealing with a company that has been telling stories about LGBTQ characters for ages now, well before there was sort of a bandwagon to be jumped on in terms of, you know, making putting a fucking flag logo up on face or you know, pride flag logo up on Facebook. You know, I feel like they've, uh, they've got some, some fucking, I don't know what I'm trying to say. They've got, you know, They've got the chops to back it up kind of thing. They talk the talk. Yeah, they don't just exactly. they don't just post the pick. Yes. Yeah. All right. So with that, we can finish up this week's episode. If you have anything to say about this episode, any of the news that we talked about or Back to the Future itself, because, yeah, we probably didn't say everything about this movie, even though we talked about it for well over two hours. Uh, you can do so on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance about dance podcast. You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can send us an email at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so at Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places that podcasts can be found. So with that, we'll say thank you again, Stephen, for joining us. Always good to have you. Thank you for having me back. Uh, do you want to plug your social media and anything you got going on? No, I'm, I just goof around on Twitter. I'm at ask underscore Stephen. Uh, if you want to uh, see me talk about probably back to the future, or the rocketeer or other movies that I used to that I've loved since I was a kid. That's the best place to do it. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, there was a, you had a thread a couple weeks ago where your wife was making you watch Twilight for the first time. That was, yes, yeah, yes, that was we, have, we have we have been going through the Twilight movies too. That that's been an experience for an entirely different set of reasons. So <laughs> oh my goodness! If you, want, if you want to see a man slowly lose his mind, uh, my Twitter feed is the place to do it. <laughs> I mean, if they want to do that in less time, they could also just like listen to me talk to you about <laughs> Superman Returns. So I mean, it's, it's happened. <laughs> to both of us in the last couple months and there you go it is documented very well on both spots so. <laughs> either way all right say good night mark have a good one everybody all right well this is tim saying let's make like a tree get out of here <laughs> so good <laughs> uh, talk to you next week